From beyond the farthest reaches of our galaxy they come. Two brains pulsing with a strange energy. These space brains come to share their love of science fiction movies. Welcome to Space Brains, the show where we joy watch sci-fi movies and then tell you what was good and what was great. I'm Surrey and this is Mark. Hiya! Tonight we're talking about Cargo. It's a 2017 movie and it's all about that we're in Australia, where you and I are right now, Surrey, but mm. it's post-pandemic. Is it a pandemic or is it a... You have to assume so. I think so. So it's after the coronavirus and it's spread all over Australia, and a father searches for someone willing to protect his baby daughter because he's infected. So I thought it was a great time crunch of a movie where we've got that set, you know, amount of time that he's not going to get past. 48 hours. 48 hours. And uh, his baby daughter, she's literally a little baby, and she has to be palmed off to someone, doesn't she? Otherwise, you'll probably rip her face off, as that guy says. We can hope. We eat, can hope. No, eat her face off, that guy says. One of my favourite bits in this movie as well. So, in case you're curious, this is a spoiler warning. We'll be talking about all of the alleged face eating. So, turn back now. If you haven't watched this film, watch it. It's a really good one. And then come back and listen to us tell you all about the cool stuff. Definitely. So what was your number one takeaway, sorry, of Cargo 2017? Oh, geez. My number one takeaway is sometimes first aid kits aren't there to heal you. <laughs> sometimes they're there to kill you. Or maybe what, it's there to heal other, help other people. What was this said first aid kit, sorry? I think you have to give it a little bit of context. Okay, well, there's this uh, wonderful first aid kit which included some... Uh, hand restraints, yeah, like those little plastic bindy ones, mm-hmm. like handcuffs. Uh, a mouth guard, a mouth variety guard, yeah. of things, always needed in and the first aid kit. Something which at first looked like an epipen, yeah, except it's little image for directions. You know, it's IKEA style wordless I love directions. That. I love show that, that you hold it up to the side of your your temple mm. and you press the button, mm. and then there's like a uh, it, it sort of had a red zone around the head there. It did. It did. Which is, is later demonstrated when, <laughs> when the woman, she, she pulls that little EpiPen and clicks it and it's, I don't know, probably a five centimetre spike. Yeah. It drives little. out of it good and hard and quite solid. Yeah. I loved that approach, that sort of, you know, attention to detail from the filmmakers that, you know, like there is an outbreak like this to this approach, a zombie outbreak, whatever you want to call it. And it's these little packs. <laughs> Well, you could, and I, you could imagine them doing it. These you? were like, proper manufactured kits. Yeah, these yeah, were like you know good. professional manufactured kits, obviously mass produced. Yeah, but they looked like a first aid box. They had little instruction manual, and they came with all bits and pieces. And I, I think they did have some disinfectant, some bandages in there as well. Yeah, those are the boring bits. Yeah, those are the boring bits. <laughs> 
I love your description of them being like IKEA because they were they were they were like dummy proof, which again is is perfect yeah, from the government, isn't it? Uh, and I, the thing that got me about that is it's it was beyond they'd gone beyond that point of you know oh I hear that you shouldn't have ibuprofen with it. It's like <laughs> oh we're just testing the vaccines now. No, they'd yeah. gone beyond that and said basically. Uh, this is it. Yep, this is it. Here we go. We're going to mass manufacture these kits so that if you become infected, you can commit suicide yeah. easily and painlessly. Yeah. Uh, you can yeah. you can handcuff yourself up and put in a mouth guard so that you don't hurt anyone in case you can't bring yourself to doing it. Definitely. But there you go. And it brings a little smile to my face because we've been having all of these government press conferences because of the coronavirus. And couldn't you imagine like our Prime Minister like holding up one of those little first aid boxes and saying, look, these are perfect in the case of infection. We're going to distribute these nationally. Everyone will get one. Oh, and, gee. you know, if you notice a family member going through this, just follow the instruction. It's It's got to be a grim time, like, though, doesn't it? You've, yeah. As a society, as a civilization, you have to have reached a pretty, pretty dark moment yeah. where yeah. this becomes... Because you could imagine... Mm-hmm. Uh, DIY sort of little kits or people putting together these things like, uh, yeah. uh, you know, small groups going, you know, we're going to do this to, you know, like they get the, the people who put together, they do food drives or yeah, they do little clothing right, yeah. packs for the homeless yeah. who are going to be cold through winter. No, this was mainstream this is, government. This is, not the, this is the government sort of yeah. saying, well, basically, yeah. kiss your ass goodbye. Yes. If you're uh, infected, it's too bad. This is the most help we can give you. Mm. Yeah. So that was, that was a, that was a great, Great little extra bit there, which I think because there's there's almost no zombies in this movie, which yeah. is really good because we've seen enough zombies. We know we zombies. have. We know zombies. They don't scare us anymore. No. But this and and we're out in the outback Australia. Like if you're going to be in a zombie apocalypse, that's got to be one of the safest places. Nobody lives in Australia. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like you you go into the middle of Sydney and Melbourne. Yeah, there's there's millions of people. Yeah. Literally, Sydney's got three, four million people. The greater Sydney area. But you come out to Western Australia, the Western, whole Western Australia has a population of what, 1.5 million, maybe? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Maybe 1.2, somewhere in that region. And 1 million are in Perth, mm. which means that between Perth and uh, Alice Springs, mm. there's like five people. <laughs> yeah, you, a few more, but yeah, there's you a few could, and far between. If you were on foot, you could walk a day. You could be dropped you, off in oh, places cool, yeah. where you could walk yeah. a day or more in any direction, yes, yeah. and you would still be several days' walk from anyone. Yeah, I mean, there's that. If famous, you knew what direction exactly to go to to yeah. meet that other person, there's that famous, you know, stock old stock route that a lot of people four-wheel drive on, and you know, like when you do that, you have to have a what's it called, like one of those personal locator beacon E-perp. things, yeah. Because, like, honestly, if you get lost on that track or your car breaks down. You might not see anyone for days or weeks, or you know, like, and and the road gets flooded, and also it's so hot and dry. It's like extreme conditions, you know. So uh, there was a guy lost there uh, over January this year, actually, and they thought he was dead because no one had heard from him for like two weeks. So, um, you know, like that's the thing. So there is these. I agree with you. Like, I, I liked. You know, we've seen. A lot of different zombie stories. And actually, even in Australia, there already is other zombie movies, of course. But <clears throat> I liked that this film uh, was it kind of took us to the outback here in Australia again, but didn't 
like didn't they didn't kind of work off the zombies you're exactly right like the zombies in this story we never actually get to really see them up close we yeah. never really get to see them sharply focused with the camera. In fact, they're, they're like they're blurry in the yeah, distance. Through through um, windows, they're through a window. Um, they cut when they get close. Uh, they're in smoke, you know, with the indigenous people. So it's it's it, you never actually completely see, or they're even hidden, like literally they're down a hole. Um, so you know they're there. The presence is there, but it's not overused. That zombies are coming to get you, like we've no. seen. And I think it's like. I think you're probably right in that, you know, we've had a massive show like The Walking Dead and we've had other shows and movies around. We're probably a little bit oversaturated with zombies that we don't necessarily have to see them, do we? But I think also the presence of those kits indicate that we're, we're far into this. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, it's been going for a while. you wouldn't be producing those kits at the first sign. No. They, those kits would be produced as, like you, you're into the dark, the end times, where they're sort of going... What we can hope is that basically we distribute these kits to people and they'll do the right thing. Mm. And that's the only way that we're going to overcome this infection. Yeah, yeah. Is, is numbers of it. People just put, them, put themselves or their loved ones out. Out, yeah. Which so is, it stops the infection. So by, by showing that at the start, it's sort of like, this is why you're not going to come across herds of zombies. Mm. Because this, this, these kits have been distributed. Uh, there was enough time for them to be made and mm. specified and, and created. So... Yeah, and maybe it wasn't even the first time this um, virus hit. Perhaps it was the second wave. The first one, they sort of only just managed to survive and the second flare-up started and they just went, our experience shows the only way you can deal with this is, is basically give people the, the capacity to kill themselves mm. and hope they use it responsibly. Yeah. So that's that's my takeaway. But so off this, is this a story of hope, a warning, or is it an experiment? Totally warning, dude. This is warning all the way. This is don't, you know, like be okay. And the reason for that, I think, is the there's a very strong and and I didn't realize this film was going to have it because again, I didn't know much about this film. But suddenly, once you get into the depths of the bowels of the story here, it becomes more about you know the way society currently operates versus say the traditional indigenous culture in Australia and that we've kind of lost our way a bit and I think it's that sort of whole example of you know like western man coming taking over uh, and not looking after each other and we've kind of like separated our identity and we've separated from the land it's very it suddenly becomes this story a very traditional story about like Australian indigenous culture and how rich that culture is, and that it need—it's it, kind of the answer here to the zombie apocalypse. Uh, well, I've got to say, you know, like, I'll, I'll butt in here because I think one of the things that I really liked about this was there's a part towards the end where uh, Toomey—I can't remember what she said or did—said something rather, and uh, what's what was Freeman's character? Uh, yeah, I don't think his name ever actually says in the film, but his name is Andy. Oh, no, he does say it a couple of times. Does he? Not yeah. Much, I, I must admit, like, a lot of the character names in this film, I, I like, when I was writing them down, I was just like, the wife, the husband, <laughs> the cray-cray so guy. <laughs> Andy says... Do we? Indigenous where, girl. Where did you learn this? Was this 
uh, yeah, yeah, where, where does that come from? Yeah. And Tumi says, oh, it comes from the old ways. Yeah. But yeah. we don't do them now. Yeah. Because they don't work. And then she says something along the lines of like, uh, we, we, we do it differently now. Mm. Which to me, well, I was really sort of thinking this is, they haven't, the, there's this recognition that you can't ever go back to the old, going back to the old traditional ways is no better than staying with, as, as uh, Andy says at the start, when they're on the boat and they're having this discussion about food, they don't have enough food. And he says, no, we're going to stick with what we know. Mm. We've got to stick with what we know. Yeah, yeah. And then later on, he introduced, you know, that we're told that the, the, the local Aboriginal population uh, in this town have gone back to the land. Mm. But then Toomey indicates that, yes, but they're not, they're not really doing it like they used to. It's, it's new. It's new, but they're, and they're so mixing, I, think, I think they're mixing the two. Yeah, right? I, I, yeah. Like, I like that idea that going back to the old traditions or sticking with what's currently around, mm. neither of those is progress. Yeah. Both of those is either looking back to some calcified image, idealized image of what it used to be like. Yeah, yeah. Or sticking with some, uh, you know, consumer-based um, exploitation of the land and so forth, whereas they're looking to, they've, they've successfully synthesized a new... Uh, a new version that works with how the world is now, not trying to go back to the way it used to be because they can't. Like, let's face it, Toomey and her parents, uh, you know, her dad, Willie, uh, he had a, a work shirt on. Look, he must have been working at the gas plant. Yeah. Uh, for this fracking extraction. So it's, it's not like, you know, he, he's, he's, there's a little scene of him teaching some of the traditional sort of bits and pieces. Like, she says, it's like your mum, but he says, it's like your mum's spaghetti. Yeah, yeah. Which is a, you know, you're not expecting out in the outback uh, an Aboriginal elder telling you about mum's spaghetti, <laughs> no, you know. No. But, yeah, it's this new synthesis. It's like they've come up with a new thing and they're moving into that, which is what is letting them, letting, letting the people that are taking on this new yeah new mode of going, good, get all the good stuff from the old ways and pick up some of the new stuff that's good and, and come up with something new. I, I really liked that. That yeah. it wasn't a because it's easy to sort of do that whole oh you know the the ancient ways are so rich and full and and traditional and yes they're doing some of that but it's they haven't cut off the possibility no, of no. doing and things better as well. I agree with you because even like you think about the indigenous people they yeah they had paint and look I'm not an expert on it but they yeah they paint their faces which Tui says it keeps away the the, the ghosts they also like buried you know, they're dead people in trees so they couldn't get disturbed, you know, their mm. spirits couldn't get disturbed. So, so you're right, they're like mixing the two. And even when they did the smoking thing, it's, yeah, they've got paint on, but then it was funny that like they've got like football jerseys. He's wearing a St Kilda like jersey. He's wearing like St Kilda and there was a Hawthorne jersey and the, in there. And the, the Clevelands wearing like, jeans. They're, yeah, know. they're wearing like branded stuff. But what I suppose what I was leaning towards is there's a great line from the clever man who says... Um, we're treating the when you treat the when you mistreat the country, mm. meaning the land, you then end up sick yourself. Yeah, and I, that's what I was trying to get to. Oh, it wasn't it wasn't necessarily meaning like, oh, indigenous culture is the solution. But what I just meant was like losing that touch of of mm. of like mistreating. And I think 
The film didn't get too preachy on it, but yeah, like that cray cray guy who was, Vic. I think, called Vic. Um, yeah, he wanted the gas because he's like, oh, when everything gets back, I will be the man on top with the gas, you know, like, and, he, and he's probably right. Like, that's the way we treat the land right now, isn't it? Like the mining companies and stuff, they're the ones that make the big money. He wanted to be the next Gina Reinhardt, didn't he? You know, I could understand that. But that's what I mean. Like, there was that pro- probably more, it's not so much like an argument, which has been done in other films of like white man versus the indigenous man and all that. It's more like probably more environmental, like, you know, like mistreating the land. Mm. And in that, in this context, there was this kind of in, something to do with the gas fracking, you're right, like Willie, the Indigenous father who was a zombie or infected and who does die at some point. You know, he had the FIFO top on, didn't he? The high-vis yeah. top on, you know, and it said Willie. And, you know, yeah, he's an Indigenous guy talking about mum's spaghetti and stuff like that. So he's sort of doing a bit of both. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, I mean... But anyway, that's, I think that's what I wanted to get to is like yeah, why no, I say I, warning. I, agree like, on that. I think like the film is sort of saying the, the 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 not the preach. I don't feel this film is preachy, but I just feel like you know like they're, they're trying to say mistreat the, the land uh, versus what probably the indigenous people did way back. You know, we've come along. We've we you know if you just dig it up, dig it up. You're going to make the land sick, and at some point, you are going to actually probably make yeah, yourself it's sick. It's kind which of makes a lot of sense, kind of implied <laughs> a little bit, really, that the fracking was in somehow involved. Maybe, yeah, caused it. I yeah. don't think it actually. They didn't really say to say that, but the fact yeah. that they included I don't think scientific proof that they, fracking they included, causes zombies. But they include, well, uh, yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Who knows? Hey, I'm open to it. <laughs> we can only hope. But it yeah, is a fictional movie, you know. So it's a great, and, and I think that's what I liked about this film was that. There was no, they didn't have that, um, I suppose, punch you in the face with a particular message. No. But there was messages there, which which uh, I think come from that. Yeah, you see that mm. at the start, uh, Andy is saying we should stick with what we yeah. know. Irony is if they did stick with what they got, uh, it probably would have been all right. <laughs> If I and it's a lack of communication, you know, like, when, his, like when his a, wife it's said, horror film, isn't it? One hundred and one, like we can't go on, on land because we'll die. Guess what? The fucking whole movie is he's on land. He has to go on land. And if only he'd, he'd spoken to his wife when his wife yeah. said, oh, "Is it all right?" If he'd yeah, said, "Yeah," if he'd told the, if he said, "Look, uh, yeah, there was there was something moving in there. There but is it was, something in there, but I got was, away. It was in the cabin and stuff. Yeah. So we probably should be happy with what we've got. Yeah, don't go back. But they want to exploit a bit yeah. more, dig a bit deeper. Well, you saw it straight away, didn't you, on her face. She was like, oh, I'm going over there and I'm checking out. Oh, I know. And, and from that point to the I whole movie. Like, oh, she's going to go over there. I had that, that bad thing. I, I thought to myself, I know she's got to get gotten. Yeah. And, yeah, this is, it's, it's all going to, it's got to go a bit downhill here. Mm. This is not a, it's not a movie of hope. There is hope in it. I think there's, it's a hopeful. Yeah, yeah. There's a hopeful ending to it, but. Yeah, it's um. It's... To, to me, the warning is like if you if you if you interpreted this film on what it's saying, that's what to me it's like saying you make if you don't look after the environment, you're going to make yourself sick, and that, that's pretty obvious, I think. Anyway, but we all do it, don't we? We drive cars and we burn carbon and blah blah blah. So that's where I think the warning is. Not so much, you know. We change things and, uh, yeah, we can get into some things uh, a bit deeper into that later on. But if you agree, disagree, hit us up on our socials and tell me what you think. Tell me whether you think it's a hope, warning or experiment. So what have you been up to, Surrey? 
Creatively, I, anything branching off, Gravity Undone. I've been updating our website. You've contracted Josh Rogan onto Gravity Undone. Yeah, it's Joe Rogan, yeah. Well, yeah, I couldn't get Joe Rogan. I got Josh. I got Josh Rogan. I got Josh Rogan. I thought it was Josh. He, he doesn't, he, he's told me he's he doesn't a run a podcast, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure he's really, he's going to be the second most popular podcast. Yeah, I think so. Well, the third just after Joe Rogan. Yeah. Yeah, so. The third pop podcast on the left podcast. Yeah, second to the last. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. Everyone's heard of it. I'm sure they have. Everyone has, yeah. Subscribe to it. Uh, no, what have I been doing? Yeah, so that a lot of that um, really... That's all, actually. Update your website. Update, Good. Update, update Very the, important. the website. Good. Going through my old stuff. Yeah. I've, I've got a, a nice list here, my blue book um, of bits and pieces I've got to do. Uh, I've got to come up with some, some music and a little video and a couple other things. Mm. Um, yeah. Well, website is my next to-do list anyway, so yeah, yeah, if I'll you're be doing that. Uh, just, just for me, you know, yeah. like markregan.com.au. And um, yeah, that's like that's the next big to do list. Now that I so one thing I've done is my short film. It's on Film Freeway. It's ready to go. Um, I did the press release. I've done the bio. I've done the director's statement. I've done photos. It's all good to go now. So it's just a matter of sort of picking those festivals, which is really cool. Sundance, um, Tropfest. Yeah, of course, all of those big ones. Cans. Well, Tropfest is. I don't know what's happened to Tropfest. If you're out there and you actually know what's happening, Trop Cargo Fest, was a short film that won Tropfest. There we a, go. Well, a prize in Tropfest. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this year, Tropfest didn't happen, and not because of Corona, because it's like first week in January or second week in January, but it just didn't happen this year. So I'm not no, too no sure. No one was making films this past year. No. So anyway, uh, but yeah, certain film festivals will definitely get entered into for the next 12 months and will be available online. But uh, yeah, and then moving on to. The next short, which the next short is a science fiction. Nice. Time travel. So, yeah, I won't say any more, but that will be my next little short. You won't have so. not said any more in the future yesterday. No. Yes. <laughs> so I'm not going to say any more about it at this point in time, but it's just a little short about time travel. Um, probably will be a little bit more general rated rather than the memory being really for adults. Um, being a bit too graphic, so yeah. The whereas this one, the sci-fi one I've got, it's a bit more, yeah, probably a bit more general consensus. I think more. My kids will be able to watch it. I haven't let the kids watch the memory, so. But yeah, the big job coming up is the website. Nice. So we should get into some details about cargo. So, as you just mentioned, it was a short story. Um, Yolanda Rumpke. Ramke, yeah. Ramke, you know her? Uh, good friends from good high friends. school. <laughs> yeah. um, her, she had written a short story, yes. a short film, and made it, and as you just said, went into Trop Fest, which is a huge festival based in Sydney. Happened for a long time now. Um, one of the biggest short film festivals in the world. And it's also, so then she's turned it into this feature. Same title. Same premise. And Ben Howling has come on board as a co-director. Yeah, so there was two of them on this one. Yeah, two directors. And two she writers. Wrote, she wrote yeah. the script. Uh, we have Martin Freeman. Now, Martin Freeman. As I said last, uh, last episode, uh, for me the sci-fi connection is 
um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. He's um, does he play? Is he Arthur Dent or is he Marvin? Uh, he's I haven't Arthur. seen it. He's the he's just the he's human. normal human. Yeah, Arthur Dent. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. I've seen the original BBC TV series. Yeah, and read the books, but I haven't seen the movie. I the, quite the like the new movie. I quite like this movie, but I hadn't seen, like you just said, all those other versions and stuff. So and I was just like, there, oh, The I other go. places we know from the British office mm. uh, with Ricky Gervais. Of course. And also The Hobbit. The Hobbit, yeah. Uh, and he's been in a whole heap. Of yeah, he's been. He's a massive working actor. Um, yes. Obviously, The Hobbit probably being the big time, the big leagues. Um, and the other really we've got uh playing Toomey Simone Landers and I think in the credits they say introducing so that's probably her first Yeah, I looked her up role. to see if she's a like a like in being a TV show or something but no. No. That's it. That's her first showing. Uh Lorraine who's the young mum who's sort of maybe kidnapped by the Cray Cray guy as I called him. Yeah. <laughs> Vic. Vic. Uh is played by Karen Pistorius. Um, and from the Vic op- from the Offspring here offspring. in Australia. Okay, um, it's not a show I watch, but no, um, I don't know either. But I, I, I had to find out where she's from. Okay, and Vic, who I've seen in a lot of stuff, or as I call him, the Cray Cray Man, Anthony Hayes. He's that real good-looking Aussie outback bogan farmer. Yeah, he looks a bit rougher, a little in this bit one. overweight. Probably wouldn't want to meet him in a dodgy alley. Or drives a truck and hangs out with young boys, you know, in toilet blocks and stuff like that. That's you know, it runs my imagination. Why he's, he's just perfect. Well, I'm sure he's a lovely guy. <laughs> like I'm sure he's, oh, a he's, lovely he's guy. been in a few TV shows. Uh, I think he's been in a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah, he's been in a couple of Australian TV shows, series like that. Uh, Paradise Beach oh. is, was his. Uh, his our thing. audience will know nothing, but yes. Well, I I never watched it either, but that. <laughs> uh, early I do know that. Two thousand. I know that one. That's a guilty pleasure from many years ago. Yeah. Like there's sort of a whole run of these uh, efforts at, to find out what the Australian sort of prime time drama would be, and Paradise mm. Beach is one of those efforts. Uh, before we got to those things like like Offspring and mm. Doctor Doctor and and um, what's one of those other ones more recent? Okay, I really don't know. I'm not, anyway, I'm not yeah. be honest. So and then of course uh, Susie Porter plays the mum. Uh, she's been in like numerous. She's been in Aussie Offspring. films. No, but, but I'm talking like films now. Oh, so yeah, she's been on the films. Why do you keep going to TV? Well, oh, because this is where they'll come from, Australian TV, <laughs> all these guys. They all work on it, and I'm sure Susie has as well, but she's been in like there's a hundred really good Aussie yeah, films she's, that she's, she's been really in. Yeah, and of course the one and only David Gallupoli plays the clever man who is um, just an awesome Indigenous actor. Yeah, he's been in quite um, a few things. It, yeah. Basically, if there's an Australian film yeah. that required uh, an Aborigine, yeah. he was it. Now, if you're listening in the States to Space Brains, you probably would recognise him from Crocodile Dundee. He was in Crocodile right. Dundee. He plays uh, the comedy Indigenous actor in there with the great line of like you know coming up and creeping up on uh, um, Paul Hogan and... The female actress who I'm Linda just... Linda Kislowski. Linda, Yeah, yeah, that's it. And it creeps up and then, like, he's kind of like, ah! And she's like, you know, ra- you know, real, pretty much a racist joke because she's kind of like, oh, God, there's a black man in the bush. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> and then, like, they, it's like the total opposite. He's like, oh, no, I'm from Sydney and I'm, like, just out of here because Dad's made me come out for the yeah. robbery. Like, yes. it's quite a good line in that film. Like, it's a really good one. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, that's like if you're in the States listening to us, but he's been in pretty much every Australian film that's ever been made, I think. That, that, yeah, I, think I, I, had, I, think a, I had a quick look because I, rec- I recognized him. I went, geez, where do I know him from? Yeah. And yeah, so he was in like, uh, you know, that, that other guy, uh, Vic, mm. what's his name? Uh, Anthony Hayes. An- Anthony Hayes. I was going to call him Andy Hayes, but Anthony Hayes. He was in Rabbit Proof Fence as well. Yeah. Of which yeah. I, I believe. Um, Gallipoli. David Gallipoli. <laughs> Gallipoli. I'm sorry. If he wants to call in yeah. and, and let us uh, let us know um, some more of his background and and the movies he's been in and, and what he likes. And well, he's a West. He's West all, Australian. He's, right? he's maybe he West, will. No, he, he, he he's West Australian. But um, in Rabbit Prefence, he plays the tracker. And he's very. Uh, creepy. He's also in a movie called The Tracker, and he's also in another movie called The Tracker. Um, but yeah, in Rabbit Prefence by Philip Noyce, he's he's sort of like the white people use him to track the girls, and he's nice and creepy. Um, but yeah, no, he's a great actor, that guy. So that covers all that. The plot, the plot, the opening image: a young boy runs through the outback of Australia. We've got that classic big wide shot. It's a lovely drone shot. A young shot. boy Sorry. or is that Well, I didn't that know Tubi? what it was. I think it was Tubi, but I, was just like, I wrote it down as a young boy, but it's a yeah. young girl. Uh, we don't get a close-up. It's a really big long shot. Runs through the outfit. And she's, and she's it's a nice young. red. She's young. And she's wearing a... Like a... A, 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 a red... No, she's got the red jacket with the white stripes, like an Adidas type thing. Anyway, oh, let's, let's argue about this another day. Yeah, we will. Cut to a boat. Middle-aged man, Martin Freeman. Is that his name, Martin Freeman? Martin. Yeah, got Marty, as we call him back in the A woman. So I didn't get the names because they didn't say each other's names to each other here. Susie Porter. And then a baby. They're on a houseboat. Rosie. Rosie. Because they do say her name several times. The baby. Yes. (laughs) Uh, He sees a balloon, which is a bit odd. Yeah, because at first kids. you're thinking it's just like they're just taking a houseboat yeah. along one of these rivers in the Kimberley. Yeah. And um, he sees a balloon and then there's kids on an embankment and they're like having like a little party and giggling and laughing. And so he smiles and then he like, you know, he, he leaves his um, leaves his captain role of the yeah. houseboat, if that's what you call it on Steps a houseboat. Out his I and he steps out and he kind of like smiles and nods and the man, the father of these children, kind of looks back and he's smiling away, old, old little hobbit Martin Freeman. And the man like literally shows that he's got a gun. Yeah, he's shows a gun and sort of looks sternly at him. Mm. So and he's like, and he's like, he gives us a real, uh, yeah, doesn't he like, not again. Yeah, so, so Andy <laughs> pops back inside and sort of goes, oh, okay, and just continues on his way. And that's where you, you realise that this is not just a no. a leisure cruise because you've got to wonder at this point. And I was sort of wondering, is this before? Yeah, everything's happened, and and this this movie's going to be sort of the as a lot of these movies are during the outbreak. Yeah, uh, to that no, it's not. And that's where you know it's not. Something is definitely wrong already, very wrong. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit wrong to sort of see a, a party beside the river. Like for those of you who don't know, like the only population up in that region of uh, I assume they're up in northern West Australia. It certainly looks that way. The only population it could be Northern Territory, yeah. I know, but the only population up that way are either the little like um, towns with the that sort of service of farmsteads type of thing, but like yeah, literally maybe four houses type of thing and like a little school or something. And yeah, you're not in mining camps, mm. 
and they're not in a mining camp. No. So to see uh, a couple having like a party with kids, uh, that's quite, that is, it'd be like going through the middle of Arizona desert if, you, if you're in stateside and, you know, in Death Valley and there's like a little party going on there. Like, <laughs> this is peculiar. Uh, yes. Um, so the, par- the, the boat's parked, it's night. And he fishes out one of these great little uh, emergency first Yeah, there's aid a whole bunch things. of them there. And a whole I, bunch of them I thought they were the, the EPO, the emergency beacons yeah, at first. Yeah. And then he pulled it out and it looked like a first aid kit. Mm-hmm. And yeah, at that point, you don't really know anything else because yeah. he has a thing. It looks like an EpiPen and yeah. there's a bandage and stuff. He goes, mm-hmm, he looks yeah, through he kind it. kind of like looks through it, yeah. Yeah. And they kind of then have a, Kate and him have a bit of an argument about she wants to go to shore and walk it. To a town or to yeah, get somewhere. Town, yeah. um, and he wants to stay on the boat yeah. and get to this military base. Like he's got a map. He's like, "There's this. Mil- we might as well just keep going the river. The river's been good to us." Um, her stick argu- with what we know. Stick with what we know. Her argument is like uh, a really good line, which is, "You know, we're running out of food for the baby. You know, like the baby's going to start. I think she says, says the baby's going to start. Yeah, to we'll death or something. stick with this until it's absolutely necessary to get off. Yeah, and she says, "Oh, is that?" Does that happen before or well, after, after Rosie starves yeah, to death? Which was a la- la- lovely line. That's I a thought. mic drop moment, isn't yeah. it? Because he doesn't have a comeback. It's just kind of no. like, yeah, that is that's a really good yeah. point. <laughs> <laughs> because it's always like this is the is, you know the Walking Dead that did the same thing when Rick did end up having his baby. It's like it's like this world is pretty fucked up, and then you have a baby. Like a baby can't shut up when the zombies are around. You know, so it's a noise attracted to them. Uh, you've got to feed it like randomly, you know, like and strange cries. things. You can't just feed it any old thing. No, it'll like choke you know, to death and it, it, it can't kind of. If it's hungry, it's going to scream. Yeah. Like it's just going to scream. So you kind of got to keep it fed. So it's not a great thing to have in a zombie apocalypse. It's probably the worst thing ever to have. So uh, we cut then to this indigenous uh, girl eating bush tucker. And she's kind of like foraging, and she has a fake television. Yes, I like that. She has that. a stone which she's drawn like a picture onto, and a remote control on another thing, and she kind of like changes the channel, and that's it. And then we cut back to uh, yeah. Freeman. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to remember his name tonight, am I? Um, Andy. We cut back to Andy, and uh, he sees this wrecked boat. And so he goes aboard very cautiously. He's got a special little fishing rod with, uh, you know, a mirror in it. He looks down into the boat, but looks all good, hops down. It's flooded. Um, He's kind of scavenging and he finds some food. So he starts shoving that food into an esky, finds a bottle of wine. Oh, a lovely bottle of wine. Bloody good find, isn't it? Um, Finding, you know, tins of food. and uh, But as he's doing it, he gets the sense there's something yeah, in the cupboard or something. He hears like a bit of a noise. There's a bit of a noise. Behind this door. So he goes, hmm. Yeah. So he, he kind of fangs it out of there. He quickly gets out of there yeah. and gets back. Um, and then so now he's back and, and he does a great little joke with his wife like pulling in a fish and it's a tin of tuna. Yeah, um, and he's like, I went across to the boat. It was okay. You know, um, we've got enough food for a... He says he's got enough food for like three months. I was like, there's a lot of food. doesn't seem like much food, but anyway. Yeah, it's just um, like a one esky full of food. Yeah. Well, okay. Three months. Jeez, that lasts me a day, but okay. Uh, three days um, maybe? But anyway, they're happy, aren't they? Now they're a happy couple again. They had their little fight, sorry. Now they're happy. But she eyes off the boat. Damn it. 
Well, he he he's got his whiskers growing, and she asks him, "Do they have a razor?" Yeah, and he goes, "Oh no, this is rugged." And they have a bit of a joke yeah, about it. Yeah, a bit it. of a bit of a happy joke. But she eyes off the boat, and you're like, "I was like, oh god, don't go across there for a razor." Um, but it's good because in the writing they they write it up that um, she's she's making this mobile, isn't she, out of the fishing hooks and stuff, which which we need to talk about because. It keeps reappearing actually in the film, mm. but but she's making this thing, and of course in the toolkit as she's kind of pulling out the little things to make this mobile, um, the bottle of wine's there and it's wrapped up and it says yeah. happy anniversary. Yeah, you know. So then she like really looks at the boat. So they've given her a bit more of a oomph. Yeah, she she to wants go, to get like, a prayers. Yeah, you know, he's gone to all the effort. He's brought back a bottle of wine. He's also told her that the boat's safe. And, you know, he's gone for a bit of a lie down. So what does she do? She goes across and she hops down into the boat. She, again, is very cautious. She looks around, but because he said it was safe, she's looking and she finds a razor. She finds a razor. Beautiful. That'll be a good joke. That will be a good joke. That would be good. And um, with that as well, we hear some noise in the cupboard, which she does. She tries to fang it out there, but she, she doesn't make now, it. We get, Something grabs her. We get the last shot of her coming up out of the... Uh, the manhole, the hatch, but yeah, then she sort of falls back. She, something grabs her, yeah. Yeah, we don't we don't see, but we yeah, she see. she falls back, and then the next thing we have is uh, Andy waking up and picking up Rosie and walking out looking for Kate, is it? Yep. And sees that yeah, there's sort of a little pool of blood and some you know bloody footprints on the ground, and uh, a razor falling on the ground, and he follows him to the bathroom where he bangs and says, yeah, let me in. He finally gets in and she's there. She's got blood all down her leg and he looks, yeah, she's been bitten on the yes. leg and it's, I, I don't know if there's like some sort of a reference human bite that the, all of these things go off, but they, all these zombie bites from mm. all the movies and TV shows all look the same. They do, don't they? And I've not been brave enough to Google for a reference of what a human bite <laughs> looks like, but you can tell. Well, yeah. I've I've experienced enough to know what a human bite looks like from zombie movies. Well, because it's also it's like it's like you can see there's an impression of teeth, mm. but unlike you know a shark bite or unlike a a snake bite or even or a crocodile like or a dog bite. A dog mm. bite is even another example. It's it's the impressions are not like super deep. They're not super chunky, but it's enough of a, like a chunk of flesh. Yeah, been it's off. scraped down. But it's sort of like a small chunk, which when you think about human teeth, it's probably what it would be like. Wouldn't yeah. it? Like it would be a small chunk because we don't have big sharp, canines. We don't bits. have huge sharp things. In fact, I saw this whole program, which is a whole other thing about humans probably shouldn't even eat meat because we don't really even have the teeth for it. Like so, so we invented like, knives and but anyway, that's a whole other argument. But stop, stop, stop. But um, uh, you, you know, like versus those other animals that have big teeth that can yeah. take a big chunk out of it, you know. So yeah, but you're totally right. It's this whole thing of zombie bite all look the same. They're very pussy and they're very like oh, so much blood, so much blood. Considering yeah. it was really it would just only a, be a surface bite, a relatively superficial yeah. thing that wouldn't get in the meat. Like you do have some big arteries in your leg. But they're like famously sort of from your groin mm. down to your knee and they're inside the, the meat. The other thing I never understand, sorry, is like, okay, so she's climbing out of the hatch. Something grabs her and pulls her down. Like, what? And the, and the, this is nothing as this film, but because they, they do, I've seen The Walking Dead, it's the same thing and in other shows. Like, 
It's like then just one little bite. Like you, sh- you would think that a human wanting to bite someone would probably get a few little like nibbles in, wouldn't they? Yeah, you think and claw marks. And, yeah, and there'd yeah. be like scratches and. But anyway, she, so yeah. she's she's bleeding badly, <laughs> and uh, there's it's tense because they know what this means. Yeah, and this she is, sets the timer. Yeah, she pulls out like what looks like a little smartwatch thing yeah. on her wrist and presses the button. I thought, oh, that's convenient. She had oh, she must have had that set up beforehand. But no, that's what's in the, in that in the kit box. Yeah, little forty-eight hour timer. a little Garmin watch thing. Yeah, <laughs> little forty-eight hour timer basically. Yeah. yeah, which has a. It also had like a little gauge on the bottom from green through yellow to red, with yeah. a little arrow that moved along. So, that, and and that that again is quite grim that someone thought of this kit and they went, "We'll put in the little timer so you can put yeah. it on and well, press you it, know. and you can reset it. You hold it down to reset it, and it's it very goes, clinical. Goes back. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's very just clinical." And, and it makes a lot of sense because if you know it's basically 48 hours, it's like with Corona, for example, I sort of say, if you don't get sick in two weeks, mm. then you probably didn't get it. Yep. So that's because they know that the, the vast majority between five and 10 days outside is like 14 sort of days. So, so, so this, this would be the case of like 48, 48 hours, hours would yeah. be their. Um, you're either a zombie mid-range. or you're not. The mid range yeah. there, 48. If, if you exceed 48, you might get a little bit past 48, but yeah. not much. Yeah. That would sort of be it. So they, they have a discussion and she says, oh, look, if it, he, he convinces her, no, we, we should make use of, you know, you've only got three hours before you bleed out. Yeah. So we should make use of what time we do have, yeah. which is, I think is a very sensible thing because. Yeah, I think so too. You know, not only is it, you know, um, emotional support for him, but it's also physical support with the baby and things. Uh, two of them. Working together would be a lot better. Yeah, of course. And they they pack up and they get off. Onto and the, it, it's always one of those things as well. Like you, I mean, I've got a wife, you've got a wife. Like I think you would try to do, you wouldn't necessarily like, oh, but the government says stab you in the head. <laughs> like, like I don't think that would be. And sometimes You, you would kind movies, of hold that, that optimistic yeah, I think you attitude of like, because, well, maybe it didn't bite you deep enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and also like, what if it didn't bite you and that's like you ripped your leg on the boat or something? You know? Yeah, like, maybe it just dragged like, you through like, some... I don't know what the bite looks like and I don't know. Maybe he did bite you, but you're just going to be the one that doesn't get infected. Like, you know. It, it happens. Because we do this because people get cancer and we go, but you can fight the cancer, you know, like you yeah. don't always just say that's it, you know, like you fight on. Well, yeah, you, you know? do hear like when you have, if you're talking about an infection, sorry, honey. <laughs> if, you, if you're talking about any sort of infection or disease or accident, yeah, you know, there's such outliers. And with seven billion people in the world, that's right. One in a million chance occurs. It's going to occur seven thousand times. Mm, that's right. So even one in a million chance, or one in a billion chance, one in one billion chance is still going to happen seven times. So if you had a one in a billion chance of being the one survivor Person, of this. Yeah. You know, you may as well wait. And that's, I think that's where they had the timer so that you could, because everyone would be like, well, let's get the most out, out of this last. time. Yeah, that's right. Either I will help you as much as I can before I have to go. Yeah. Or if this 48 hours beeps and I'm still ticking along. Yeah. Well, what's we'll, the Maybe we're good. You never know. Maybe, yeah. maybe it's I not bled, time for a new wife yet, buddy. Bled enough. So anyway, <laughs> they, they head off inland, which, which is, as he said, uh, we'll we'll stick with what I, we'll, we'll stick with what we know, and we'll only do that if it's absolutely necessary. And sure enough, um, the plot provides the absolute necessary for them. That's right. Because and and it was one of those nice teasers. And this is a beautiful. 
set up in this film that he gets the esky full of food because there was this tense moment like, we're going to run out of food. We don't have enough food to get yeah. to the military base. We're going to have to do something. And then here's this gift of food. Yeah, it's and like, it's like, we, ah, problem solved. Yeah, and so yeah. you think, you do, you feel a little bit relieved, but in the back of your mind, you're going, well, we're only in the first 12 minutes. There's <laughs> yeah. only right. the first 10 minutes of the movie. By minute 15, there's, there's going to be something. There's going to be something, yeah. Well, sure yeah. enough. By minute, minute 12, fi- yeah. By minute, by minute 15, they're heading, heading off, off. They're yeah. down the road. Minute 12, she's sitting there going, oh, I'm bleeding. Yes. Yeah, so... So yeah, it's it was a nice tease because they, they didn't have to have that. They could have just had him uh, go over there and not find food and get bitten. That's right. Or her go over and not find food and get bitten. But the writers kindly enough gave us that little brief glimpse of hope. They did, and a little bit of happiness. You know, he got the bottle of wine. There's a bit of a joke. Yeah, they're suddenly relaxed. Just the perfect time to stab you in the guts. Yes. So as they walk, they they do come across burnt corpses. Yeah, like this, that are kind of like mounds as well. They're yeah, sort they're, of like curled up on the ground. A, like a it looks stick like the head. through the head. Oh, yeah, it's, it's a bit weird. It's like, weird that. And I was sort of going to that's what yeah, the heck. I was odd. There's something odd about this scenario. And then we get the indigenous girl that is Tui. Again, don't know her name at this point, but she's drawing pictures. Um, and one is like of a family sort of thing. And then the next one is of a, a person with their head in the sand again. Yes, which is so a nice like metaphor, killed. isn't it? You know, like yeah. A little bit she, obvious metaphor, that one. Yeah, and then she, which is like, oh, I was very much like, okay, like this is this is all sort of, I hadn't seen that, you know, like this is thing zombie, but it's like, oh, this is a different take on a zombie thing, mm, a which strange. is good because you want something different, of course. Um, and then she like takes a rabbit and throws it into a hole in the ground. Yeah. And you don't say, again, you just see her, she throws this rabbit into a hole and you just hear this munching sound. And she covers her ears. She covers her ears. Yeah. So you know she's feeding uh, a zombie or something like that. Uh, Andy and Kay find a car. Yeah. Um, and there's a great little sort of like, you know, they're putting the baby in the car and he's putting petrol and they're trying to find the keys. Uh, so he puts, he finds the keys under the car with the petrol thing. And he's put petrol in the car. She hops in the car to feed the baby and kind of keep it quiet. She sees the zombie and uh, obviously not wanting to make a lot of noise, like puts the indicator on, mm. sort of like a little kind of thing. And again, we can see the zombie through the window, but not very clearly, but it's getting closer and closer. Um, but he notices the indicator and he kind of like bolts it into the car and, off. Yeah, and they take off and they, they're rolling down the road. It looks like they're going to be having fun. It does. And at some point, he would go back to, to Toomey, who um, chucks a snake in the hole and there's and covers the ears. No crunch, crunch, crunch. Yeah, where's the bloody So thing? she looks down in the hole and like, oh. Ooh. <laughs> uh, and and we get them. She, they pull up the, and oh yeah, the she changes the away. nappy. Yeah. She wants to change the nappy on the bonnet and that's a nice like moment because he's kind of in the car and she changes oh. the baby on the bonnet and he's like, he sort of puts the map up and then like, it was really quick, but you know, he drags the map down and then she's not there and the baby's well, it's, just on the bonnet. it's playing off that good um, cliche or the expectation, the trope of, of um, they're not there type of things. Like yeah, yeah. often... And it's done every single time. So I walks into a bathroom. Yeah. They open the ki- the, the bathroom the cabinet yeah. and then they Nothing close there, it. And they close it. And, something and there's there. something in the mirror. And and this is the same sort of thing. You've got the same feeling that he's got the map out 
and then it's like he holds it up and it obscures the camera so you can't yeah. see it. He came down, you can see he's got the baby and they waves. Yeah. And so he looks down at the camera map and picks it up again and moves it down and she's gone. Yeah. And so you're kind of expecting yeah. either there'd be uh, a zombie or she would have turned and yeah, is attacking yeah. the baby yeah. or you don't know. There's got something horrible. Yeah. And so he jumps out and runs around and yeah, grabs the baby off the bonnet because you can't leave a baby lying on a no, bonnet. It's, it's dangerous as well. Isn't roll it? off the bonnet. Mm. I suppose that's sort of your first concern. I'm, I'm still close enough to having a baby. Yeah, that's right. That yeah. I see that and go, oh, my God, you can't do that. <laughs> you can't leave a baby. It's going to roll. You've always got to have one hand on the baby. I know. Because <laughs> they're little bastards. And, <laughs> yeah. But poor old Kate's on the floor, on the floor having a bit of a fit. Yeah. And there's like nasty goop come out yeah. of her mouth. Yeah. And, and there's a good transition there because it, it goes from that and then – also, in the next, like the goo that she's flowing out, and then in the next moment, she wakes up as they're driving, and her wound is like turning into this like yellow yeah, she, gooey she stuff. Like it's not just blood; it's snotty, it's snotty, slimy. Yeah, yeah. like it, and that's a nice. So it's even like the shit she spat out of her mouth was it wasn't quite blood. Like it was blood, but it was like bloody, and it had a bit of a, like a, a lighter tinge to it. It's like a nice rosé, actually. Sorry, <laughs> but um, yeah, like, and that's what I liked, like that and the goo, and uh, later as well in a, in a few, the next sort of scene as well, like the stuff that comes around her eyes and stuff. Yeah, because um, there's suddenly like a guy on the road. Yeah, they have a bit of chat, and there's, there's but suddenly a guy on the road. He's got a high vis shirt on, so yes. He gets seen, which is yes. the purpose of the show. And shirt. something in his mouth, like you yeah. get a quick flash of you get a quick flash of this guy, and he's standing in the middle of the road. He's got something in his mouth, and so Andy swerves the car, and of course crashes. It's an older style car, which doesn't yeah. have the electronic stability program. It does. Which is this is the exact scenario that they've made for. It's a sudden yeah. swerve on That's a right. highway. It's a good advertisement. But there's a um, crashing sound. It's, it happens off camera. Yep. And we know something bad has happened. Um, it, Toomey whistles dad away because we find mm. that's like, you know, Willie, he's got a stick in his mouth tied on and uh, we, we see through the back inside the car, we're looking at old Andy is dazed as a mother, yep. lover. And <laughs> through the back, we see, we hear the whistle, <laughs> hear the whistle and, and this figure that was on the road yeah, staggers off to the side. Away, yeah. So, and then Andy... Passes out. Yeah. Well, he's he's come to enough, I think. He first comes to and he, he Kay's like, he sees that she's bleeding and she's got this branch. And then he and then he passes out. Right? And then 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 when he wakes up, Kay's she's got goo all over her face. So it's yeah, like, like so, so it's like the impact has happened, he looks over. And he realizes that she has this branch in her gut. So not only is she dying because of the zombie thing, but she's kind of, yeah, she's she's actually um, now got this branch. So she's yeah, going to die that's... much quicker. And then he passes out. And then when he wakes, he's really sort of dazed. And then when he looks across, um, she's actually got this stuff all over her face. That gooey. Yeah, but she's written in stuff. blood. Save her. Save her. Yeah. Which is. Yeah. Oh, that that yeah. I nearly I nearly teared up at that. I know, I know. So so then um, so obviously he's been passed out for a little while, uh, and then with that he she wakes up um, and he's trying to like get the baby 
and he's kind of attacked, but it kind of looks like he defends himself off. Um, and he's out of the car. And this, to me, is a really nice uh, shot because this is a little bit more going right back in the cinema where we have this kind of like wide shot of him like taking a breath and he puts the baby down. The baby's all, you know, taken up like maybe 50% or 60% of the photo looking our way and he kind of like comforts the baby for a moment and he's taking his breath and then he then you see him walk off and he, he like disappears in focus and he's gone up to the car and he, of course, like, pulls out that great little first aid yeah, pulls <laughs> machine. Out a bit. But you can't see it, really. Like, it's all out of focus and he's, you know, and he kills uh, it, Pretty much know? all of that action happens off screen. Like, the yeah. car crash happened off screen. Yeah. Um, Toomey feeding her dad happens off screen. Yeah. Uh, very little, uh, you know, of the violence or blood or anything like that happens. Yeah, in, it's in a clever field. way. Yeah. It's a little bit more old school in that sort of way of showing things. Because that's, that's not the impact that they're going for. No. The, no. the impact... It worked well because uh, was when Andy came back, yeah, and he well he he sort of slouched down against the car or something, and he's just like overwhelmed. Yeah, well you can see all that. That's what I'm saying. Like the baby's in yeah. shot, he's behind, out of focus. So you your brain fills it in. Yeah, they don't need to show it to us, and it, and you don't need to be shown visual horror no, you, to no, know yeah. that he's just suffered. Some terrible yeah, trauma. He's just stabbed his wife in the head. Like she, yeah. This is the this is the thing. Like you every can, man's uh, dream. Am I right? <laughs> Your dream. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> am I right? <laughs> um, no, <laughs> no, no. Please, no. Don't worry. My, my wife doesn't listen to these shows. Your wife is staring at me through the window. <laughs> oh, she. What's that thumb across the throat? Yeah, Jesse, she's yeah. doing. <laughs> um, but but it it is. Tr- it's a way of saying it's trauma without – it's kind of a win-win because you've got this baby, you know, like we're all like, oh, the baby, and then he's just had to go kill the baby's mum and it's his wife and, you know, there's an emotional beat there. You don't need to see him stab her in the head, you know, like no. you, you like literally in clarity in 4K, you know, like up close. You don't need to see it. And I'm sure – I know there's teenage boys out there going, no, I want to see it, but like you just don't there's need to see There's other films it. for that. Yeah, there is. And, and then he, he comes back and picks up the baby. And we've got a very touching thing. We've got the uh, mobile the, with the fishes. Yes. And he has a little perfume that he uses. He sprays it. Yeah, bit. that was really nice, and wasn't that, it? Very cute. That is, is very true because there, there's a definite um, the pheromones smells of mum. Yeah. That, that people have, for, you know, that are comforting and they know each other. Uh, and so that was nice. And he, he starts marching off with the baby. He does, and he sees the he sees the zombie, you know, the Willie um, oh, that was on the catch. road. And he's like, Ugh, "Hey, mate, you, I'm gonna fucking you what know, you doing?" And he comes up, and um, as he's sort of getting closer, and Willie, no, then he's like, "Oh shit," you know, like you are, you are one of them. You're infected, um, and then Tui kind of comes behind and says, "You know, that's my dad." Yeah, and leave know? my dad alone. Leave my dad alone, and he and she, sorry, cuts her hand. And I really liked that. It's like she cut her hand and smears it on the tree. Yeah. So that then Willie's like, oh, blood. <laughs> you know, and, she, and, and so Willie starts following Tui. And so um, Andy realizes, like, oh, okay, yeah. Something, you know, that's complicated. That's <laughs> not as, as kind of as clear cut as I thought it was going to be. Yeah. And he's not an action hero. So. No, no. So he's not getting stuck in there. 
And he then um, comes across this indigenous camp, like a, a little, a little well, country as, as town. There's all townships. Yeah. It consists of a, a few houses. This is yeah. where the hospital supposedly was. Yeah. And he goes into the school. You can tell it's yeah. a school. You know, there's like Classroom. pictures and classrooms. And stuff. Desks and stuff. Yeah. And this woman greets him in the dark room by turning on a lamp. And, you know, then she's actually pretty friendly and she helps him. And they have a talk and she said she was a teacher. Um, but well, all the the, are gone. she's basically teaching just Indigenous. All of them are gone. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry, you know, they're all dead. And she's like, no, they've... No, they've I mean, all just gone back to their land. Yeah, you know? they've, they've gone off. And they're doing. They're doing much better out yeah, there, and they're actually surviving. Um, but then he thinks about. He, he's like, "Do we like her?" To to mm. Rosie, and he's talking to her like, you know, like I'm going to hand. Oh, we missed the point. He's he's been bitten. Yeah, he's, he's been bitten, and she but, she cleans him up. Yeah, and and puts a, a bandage on him, and and, uh, and that sort of thing. So we do then, we do find it. We do find definitely out. So he's, he, been he's definitely been bitten. He's got the, he puts the timer on. Yeah. He does the whole thing. And then he's talking to Rosie about should we leave, you know, should I leave you here with her, with this woman? And I didn't quite get this bit, sorry. I don't know. She's dying of cancer. Yeah. Brain right, cancer. Yeah, brain cancer. Yeah, because so what I thought, she takes right? a wig off. Yeah. So she's got a big scar. She's got a big scar on the head and she's taken some pills. Right. And then she has a bit of a cough. <laughs> mm. So, yeah, you got to think that point the reason the she stayed behind there and she's kind of, a bit easygoing about everything uh, is that is that she's probably dying. Anyway. She's yeah. yeah, without proper hospital and medical attention, she doesn't have a chance anyway. That's right. So, and they go from that to the indigenous, and they're burning the land. Yeah, they got a little fire, and they're sort of don't, don't really know what they're doing. No, they're just sort of you, doing these you hear them, things. You and... hear them, and there's little patches of fire and stuff. And this is where Tui has a flashback of her father. You know, and the spaghetti, which you mentioned, like your mum's spaghetti. It was, yeah, you used to get this from animals. I yeah. think it was, um, yeah, red string. They're going, you're tying up uh, mm. spear points or something funny. Yeah. And that that's where what I was talking about before, the clever man comes by and he says, this country is sick, we get sick too. Yeah. You know, so that's to me, that was a bit like, oh, okay, yeah, I get this. Um, and then uh, Andy then is sort of in the middle of the night, he has a fit too, like Kate did with the bonnet mm. on the car. So it's... It's one of those nice little writing tactics, isn't it, that we saw what happened to Kate. Mm. You know, that happened really fast, but we saw her degenerate so quickly and then now it's happening to Andy. So he's yeah. heading down the same path. Yes. Um, and he spits out blood and all that sort of There's stuff. That little weird coloured goop. Mm. And so the next morning he wakes up, he's much refreshed, he's been looked after by the woman. Um, and the irony here is that she suggests... He should go to this really nice indigenous man, shows him the photo, and it's Willie. Yeah. And he already he's like, Yeah, we already bumped into Willie. <laughs> and of course he knows that he's already dead, which is sort of like, ugh. So there's not much hope there in the story, is it? Not um, that, not so much. No. Um and then he, he comes across, so he walks sets off with Rosie, they're walking. I liked how I liked in this film how the baby was, you know, in that backpack. I thought that was pretty cool. Oh, it was kind of like a yeah, it was a cool little. It was quite high up, but it seemed very supportive, and it was kind of cool. I like it was, that. Well, it's it's sort of important because if you've and I know you have carried babies into yeah. those other slings and harnesses, oh, yeah, and they break your back. They do. Soon they're great for little short jaunts, yes. little tiny babies. But we fine. had we had like a proper hiking pack like that, and yeah. so it was a 
you know, aluminium frame with a webbing. Yeah. The, yeah, this the baby one looks like a good one, but the, the, this looks the very supportive. Baby sort of sat up high. And yeah. It was quite good. Oh, well, this one was good because I got from my brother. I wouldn't have paid that much for it, but my, my brother, he's sensible and he buys good quality things. <laughs> uh, just to be honest, it is sensible to buy good quality if you can manage it. Yes. Uh, yeah, but it's nice to see that they had this here, which... Well, just a nice touch. Sorry, all the, all the parents watching it would be going... I know. Yeah, you'd need something like that. Like the boring parent in me is like, that's a really good backpack. Yeah. <laughs> that's really supportive. That looks like it's really good for both of them. Yeah, because the number of times I've carried my kids yeah, around and, yeah, after about 20 minutes, half an hour, I had to see the shoulders are aching. <laughs> anyway, that's just a little side note. So the, that, I guess that's where my parent brain is now, unfortunately. Um, and uh, so he's walking with her and he comes across his good old abandoned house, which I think... The impression I was getting was this is where the military base should have roughly been or something. Yeah, it must be getting um, pretty close. Yeah, he's he's getting close to this military base, but that is looking pretty bleak. He comes across this old abandoned thing, uh, which again, I think if you're watching this maybe from America, if you're an American or European, you might go, wow, that's really like, you know, it's run down because of the apocalypse. No, that's just the Australian outback. It, it would like, look like that. <laughs> I don't think there's anything different. That was filmed on location. That, that was just literally they've come across this old, this cool old house. Um, but then as he's going through that, suddenly he's spotting these people with their heads in the sand, yeah, he's including past. a couple of soldiers. Yeah, the military. So a couple of military guys. So it's kind of, again, pretty bleak that maybe there is a military base nearby, but it's overrun, you know, which, again, can be very common in zombie stories. Um, and suddenly comes across this ute and there's a man stuck. He's sort of stuck down this hole with gas bottles or something. Um, and he says a really great line. He says, you save me and I'll save you. Yeah, and um, so he kind of like throws him his car keys, and there's a moment there where you can tell Andy probably thinks, "Should I just take off?" Oh, and or... Vic says, "Don't you fuck me." <laughs> yeah. um, uh, I don't think he was thinking that fucking him, but you know, uh, it's a different context, I suppose. Sorry for you, but Vic, um, he... Vic was <laughs> Vic sat a bit rough around the edges. He's rough around the edges. That's what they were indicating there. Yeah, yeah, um, and he's a good shot. Yeah. So with his gun, so. Um, which are quite light, actually, and they play off the gun thing a little bit just with Vic. Um, but anyway, so he does, and then they're sort of back at Vic's place, and suddenly there's this young woman, um, and he gives her pearls. Well, he's, he says, oh, like, my missus would love to have the kid around. Yeah. because And I think it was just giving additional motivation for Andy to not leave him there. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, I take you back and, you know, my... Mrs. Presumably, you're thinking his wife. Wife, yeah. Would love to have a, a kid around, which yeah. Andy is sort of. You got to think Andy would be going, "Hey, this is worth investigating." Yeah, because, because there's a woman. I've got yeah, 36 so, hours or something yeah. left in yeah. me. At and, and pretty much that's the principal point of the film, isn't it? Is he's searching for someone to look after the baby. His precious you know? cargo. Yeah. Um, anyway, so they do go back to Vic's place and it's kind of, uh, you know, a couple of sea containers but it's in a secure fence in a quarry or something um, and there is a young woman, uh, much younger than him really, and um, he gives her pearls and it just seems to be extremely tense between them. Yeah, she's, it's not, she's not all that in, interested. She doesn't seem that interested in him. Seems like she's putting up with him a little bit uh, and, in fact, when he then walks away, she sort of dumps these pearls um and uh then he Vic says, you know, you gotta come and earn your keep and um leaves the baby with the missus. Yeah, you know, that's fine. 
Um, so they go off and uh, Andy gives us a good old time check. He's gone 27 hours is left now. So it's counting down. Um, and it's, this is a, quite a nice scene. Like he, they can't, he takes him to this place. There's a, it looked like to me to, when, again, we're, we're sort of far away. It's like a cage full of zombies, you know, like, well, there's some sort of cage and, and there's, there's all zombies. A, there's all these zombies. Yeah. And he, and he, he basically like gives the, you know, gives him a, a gun and teaches him how to shoot a gun. And Andy's really not confident. And again, I quite liked that, you know, because yeah. in so many of these movies, people pick up guns and they're, and they're just, doing headshots yeah, straight off like, that. Bam, bam, you know, gun on the side and all this sort of stuff. Um, and he really does teach him like about the, the follow back of a gun and stuff. Um, but then anyway, so he's like, we're going to keep shooting them until they're all dead, the zombies. So they fire away and then um, they go up to the cage and this is where... Tui, the indigenous girl, is actually in the cage. Yeah, chained up in the cage. Chained up in the cage. And so obviously that's like the bait. And I think you might even say you need bait, you know, for them. So he's using her as sort of bait. Um, And he's clearly not impressed with this, but he's kind of... No, but he... Well, there's not much to do because Vic is a bit of a rough nut. And he's he's got a gun and he's already shown that he's willing to lock someone in a cage to use mm. his bait. It's, so. it's a good moral dilemma, isn't it? Because it's like, yeah, are you a hero in that moment or do you wait for a better moment or, you know, what what what, what do you do? And, and it's, it's clearly been indicated that he's not an action hero. He's, no. not, he's not gung-ho. He's, he's not someone who goes, right. He'd okay. rather stick to the plan. Yeah, stick to what he knows. and Yeah. So he... And, to, and to be fair, Tui was in a cage. Yeah. Like, so, you know... Wasn't actually being eaten, but no. Um, uh, and he, he also Vic explains that you know because he sort of takes all the jewelry off all the zombies and he's like you mm. know anything of value, and he he sort of indicates that what I said earlier that you know he says like when things return to normal, you know there'll be a need for this kind of stuff again, you know, and I, I want to be on top when it kind yeah, of comes back yeah, around. Yeah, well, you hear so. that people talking about that now when things go back to normal. And and again, you're sort of thinking. First of all, do you want things? Should things go back to normal? Was normal a good yeah. place, or is this an opportunity for some sort of a change? Yeah. Which. And again, I think the film's debating that a little bit. Which yeah, it's just, like it's not saying it should go back to normal. It's not saying it should change, but it's just kind of like yeah. When when things go back to normal, I'll is, be on top. You know, everyone will, will I'll come to me. And I was sort of thinking to myself, why? <laughs> But you but do you know also that, like, do you really want someone like that on top? Because it reminds you of who's maybe on top now, you know? Like, yeah, that's well, the whole thing. That's His main you concern know? is is gathering watches and jewellery of yeah, yeah. dead people so that when things supposedly go back to... The dumb thing is, of course, though, and I was thinking this, is if the world has been so depopulated... Yeah. I mean, it's a bit hard to tell, though, because, as I said, we're out in the, the deep outback, yeah. and they did mention early on when they go up the river saying, oh, we might have outrun it. Yeah. Uh, which is, you've got it. So it gives you the impression that basically back in the city's areas, yeah, it's Man. gone to hell. And as I said, they've got these kits made up and distributed. So clearly shit's gone down. But you've got to think there's so many resources. Like the last, like, you're thinking of this weird, weird, uh, you're in a, basically after the zombie apocalypse, you're in a post-scarcity world. Yeah. Really, you are because oh, you've got some jewelry. Yeah. Why? Like, yeah, why? Yeah. That's a, that really first of value? all, that's the least of our interest at the moment. We're more interested in, I don't know, 
Food. Food and water. Food, water, that sort of thing. Skilled you know, professionals, labors. <laughs> uh, I don't know what a bracelet is going to do for me or a bit of gold. Ooh, yeah. gold. What, what do I do with gold? Can I eat that? No. But even after that, like that's just going to be lying around. Yeah. Like your whole banks and jewelry stores would be unpopulated. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it does show this, this weird greed mentality, this, this like mm. hoarding of what he thinks is valuable. Yeah, no one without, hoarded when we just had the coronavirus, did we? Without recognizing what actually <laughs> might be valuable, yeah, toilet yeah. paper. Toilet paper, that's right. That's just, <laughs> nobody yeah, understands so that. Everyone I talk to is, I don't understand it. Nah. I've not found anyone who said, oh, I do. I, the reason is I did this, uh, I got 50 lights because yeah. I've got six bums, you know, and, and I've got I know, IBS. I know, I know of one person who did it and I said that to them. I said, so what was the point in doing that? And they were like, oh, just because other people were doing it. Well, that's the problem, isn't it? It's like... like literally, and I joked with them. I was like, so just because everyone else was doing it, you jumped on board and just did it every day. The problem you have so though... So that you had so much toilet paper that you don't know what to do with these. The, like, the problem is you yeah, get a... Like he didn't... A certain threshold, because you, you've got to admit, okay, so one person is stocking up and you kind of go, oh, silly person. And then you see three, four people stocking yeah. up for whatever reason. Oh, yeah. And, and the shelves Mom are depleting. right? Mom mentality. Shelves are depleting. There's some threshold point where you go, uh, don't know how long it's going to be before they get yeah. back. I'm going to have to get a couple myself. Yeah. Simply because if I don't, I'm going to miss out. Yeah. And then that's it. It's over. Once you reach that, it's, it's like a bank run. You yeah. know, when people think, uh, it doesn't happen much these days, but when people think uh, a bank is going to run out of cash, yeah, it doesn't happen much these days because the banking rules have changed, but then people go withdraw their money. So they've got their, their cash uh, because the banks don't keep 100% of deposits. You know, they lend it out. Yeah. But the problem is that if enough people go in and withdraw their cash just in case the bank runs out of cash, the bank runs out of cash, <laughs> and if you weren't one of the people who, first of all, withdrew all of your cash, then you have nothing. You have no cash, yeah. Yeah, and so it's kind of that same sort of thing is that yeah. you see the first person withdraw on the cash, you can oh, think, yeah, definitely. what a fool. But by you see the 10th or the 20th person, yeah, you're yeah. going, okay, I've got to do it too. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm the one who misses out. Yeah. And yeah. But this and guy here, he's, he's hoarding trinkets. Yes. And, and likewise, and gas. Like, gas requires enormous industrial processes to be operating <laughs> and, a, and a great skilled workforce of engineers and everything, you know, scientists and so forth as the support foundation before you can even bother worrying about piping gas places. I think Vic could sort it out. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> he used to work some capacity at the mine site. <laughs> yeah, he didn't seem that clever, so. Yeah. But yeah, it's weird, isn't it? It's a total weird sort but of. But like, he was—he was that demonstration of that yeah, social of the, tendency, yeah, of that of old trinket gut harvesting yeah. at the expense of other people. When, and and again, you're going well, the things. Okay, so you're expending other people. It's not like you're even doing something valuable with that. Mm. You're not like fencing off arable yeah, land like for farming, worms. or yeah, yeah, that's right, or helping people. You're, you're just yeah. taking trinkets. So anyway, we cut to uh, Karen Pistorius or Lorraine, the wife, the missus, and she's kind of cuddling Rosie and uh, and then she notices the goo on the baby. Yes. 
you know, and she kind of, it's, gilly, it's all gilly. Yeah. Which is pretty much a reaction to any baby, as another father would say. <laughs> They're just pooey nappy, isn't it? Just wipe it off. They they emit all sorts of weird shit everywhere out of all their offices. Comes out all 24-7, 24 hours a day, doesn't it? Sorry, you remember. At the least opportune moment. Oh, God, it comes out of every bloody thing you can find it in. Um, or they get to something that is just disgusting and they put it everywhere. Um, and then, then we go back to Vic and Andy and they've got the old indigenous clever man. Clever man cage. in his cage, yeah. And uh, he has a good rant with him as well. Like, oh, you're going to take my land? Yeah, you take my gas. This take is my gas. Gonna, this is mine. I want it all You're going to fuck with me. I'm yeah. going to fuck with you. Yeah, that's and right. Like, and so he yeah. like, sort of pulls all this blood around the place and turns on the music. Um, you yeah. know, obviously attracting the And thing. then taunts him with a little dance. Yeah, and... he does a little sort of like <laughs> gyration, I think, in the there. Um, <clears throat> and then in the middle of the night, Andy uh, Andy puts Rosie to bed and stuff, and then he kind of has one of those convulsion oh, well, fits well, as um, well. Well, Lorraine says, you know, and I cleaned her up. So yeah, Lorraine it says, so, look, yeah. I know. I think she's figured out that he's exactly. trying to find somewhere for his baby. Yeah. So he well he, he has a he has a convulsion but gets through it and then he, he goes out to these big concrete tunnels and he's got the little Chabber. government um EpiPen thing and uh he he tries to kill himself but he can't. Like no. he, he 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 does and but he doesn't. It's always one of those good character traits, isn't it? It's like can you kill yourself? He can't. Um and Lorraine interrupts him, holding Rosie. And uh, says, you know, we've got to kind of like, let's get out of here together. Yeah. Well, she indicates we can't. Yes, I can look after your baby, but I can't. Can't hear. Here's not safe. Here's not safe. And then Vic turns up. No, doesn't he? You're trying to take my missus. (laughs) Trying to take my missus. Ah. No, she's not your missus. Like, crazy. But anyway, she's so out of your league. Yeah. Obviously. Obviously. <laughs> Smacks old Andy in the face with a gun, knocks him out. And where does he wake up? Uh, he wakes up in a cage. In a bloody cage. In the cage with two. With two. <laughs> and, and they're like, well, this would have a moment. Have a moment where she doesn't trust him, but then, yeah. Yeah, they talk through it. And, and she wants to get to the clever man. And he's like, all right. And I think this is really cool. You know, the zombies are descending and they sort of tie together all the blood and guts and throw it out like a fishing line. Yeah. And it kind of, when the zombies grab it, it kind of pulls the cage over a bit, doesn't it? Yeah, it, open, it the opens the little, opens the lever, the heavy, the, the heavy door. Yeah, you know, yeah, because they're kind of all ripping. <laughs> and then, of course, bit. Andy quickly yeah. scoots out, but Toby wasn't ready to do no, that. No, no. But so they're then, connected by uh, bracelets, like by a big heavy chain. chain. Yeah. And so he's he's on the outside and she's on the inside, and yeah. and he sort of so neither of them are in a good position, are they? You know. Yeah, a little bit concerned. And, yeah. But he says, "Yeah, next time they pull, yeah. out you pop." And she gets out and they run off, which is yeah, nice. It's a really nice little bit. And she yeah. sort of takes him to a cave or something that she knows about. And uh, No, not yet. They're, then they go to, um, they go back oh, they go for, to the clever man, for Lorraine. Yeah. And, oh, yeah, they go, no, they go back to get the um, Lorraine and the baby. Oh, that's because the they've got to get the keys, yeah. of course. Yeah. I watched so, this it's just this afternoon and I can't remember the timeline. <laughs> so they go there and Lorraine's good. She's good to go. She's got Rosie. They kind of like get out, creeping. He's Vic sleeping. 
gets the keys you know it's one of those moments isn't it you know yeah. picking up the keys and there's a bit of creaks and cracking but he's also oh, it's all good and they kind of like clamber out of the uh the house and they're just kind of just getting out beyond the car when Vic comes out you know oh, yeah, you're my woman again you know sort of stuff and um and then you know they've, they've got to like start running start running for the gate um and he's got his gun so he like picks it up and Lorraine she hesitates doesn't she and then mm. she like no, oh, no, she signals to kind of try to stop Vic, but yeah. it, he fires at the same he, time. Yeah, shoots too late. And, of course, shoots her, which devastates him. Um, and so he kind of runs down and grabs Lorraine and, and they do escape. Yeah. Um, and you're right, so they hide in the cave um, and uh, they look for um, the... No, they hide in the cave um, and, and Vic rocks up as well and he's yeah. like, Oh yeah, yeah, bloody! And he's, he's had some great lines in that moment, um, you know, like where you hand over the black bitch and I'll let you go. Uh, and uh, and what's the other? And I'll think about not killing you. Yeah, yeah. I think and he not says, "Oh, you. maybe I'll just wait around until you turn and turn eat, and, uh, each other's eat face your, off. Eat, eat their face off. Eat your daughter's face off." <laughs> but none of that gets them out, does it? So then he kind of like. No, it's strange that that's that. Yeah. It was really good convincing and negotiation. It I would was. have, I would have immediately walked out. Yeah, and the babies, you know. And anyway, so then he takes off. Um, he had a real good rant. Like it was, no, he was I thought it was off. really good. He was pissed off, and, and Andy's um, in there trying to smash the chain with a rock. Yeah, which like it doesn't take a genius to realize you you can't do that with modern ooh, steel chains. Ooh, me caveman. Uh, yeah, you need a. <laughs> A pretty decent rock to do that. But, of course, uh, Toomey sort of hands him the keys yeah. to which he realised perhaps you should have tried that first. Yes. And they unlock themselves. That's just like, that's the middle of the night and okay. Toomey wakes up to Andy licking a trickle of blood that's coming down the cave wall. Yeah. We, I, which, and he's kind of really of, like, you know, he's really out of it, isn't he? He banged he's his like, head uh, on the wall and then he's yeah. like kind of... I don't know, but you get this impression because then I think later, um, later, in, la- later in the plot when they're walking, like, and he notices her blood. It's almost like the blood starts to make them animalistic. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, it, it's like it's, it sort of really overtakes them in a drawn to the blood. So this is maybe his first, you know, his first taste of like just sniffing out blood, and all of a sudden he's licking it, and he doesn't even realize he's licking it. You know? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we get a bit of that, and then they. Um, it's creepy that bit. Right? That was a they, head, they head moment. off. They, they head off a clever man, but he's gone. He's gone already. Uh, he's out of the cage, cage already, so he's too clever for a cage. Well, we don't um, know if he's dead yeah. or not. Yeah, yeah. but he's not. There. He's not there. We do find out that he's fine later on. Yeah. By um, fine, I mean traumatized, but <laughs> otherwise physically well. Yeah. Um, Tui discovers her father, and he's been killed. Yeah, um, by mum. By mum, and he's up in the he's up, he's up in, the, in tree. the trees, um, which is quite nice, you know. And this is a moment that I only know because of previous stuff. And in fact, we mentioned rabbit proof fence. They do it in that. Like uh, Tui starts to do this morning thing where they where she whacks herself on the head with a stone, mm. um, which is a morning thing. They do it in morning and um, uh, afternoon you know, and, and evening. Yeah. No, come on, not that morning. Not that morning. No grieving. She's unhappy, so she bangs herself with a rock. Yeah. And she explains that later, though, which is she nice. does nice to explain but, it. But because it's otherwise... good because Andy, you know, he does the real like, "What the bloody hell are you doing?" You know, like, what do you think you're doing? Oh, there? this you that's know? that's that one. Uh, so if we fast forward here back when they're in the caravan, forward to the caravan, yeah, 
he says he wants to deal with the, the stone. Yeah. And she said, that's from the, the old, old that's way. the old ways. Yeah. yeah. And, and I can't remember what she says. Though. She's like, that's from the old ways. And that's where she indicates, but you know, we, we don't, we don't it do, doesn't work. Yeah. We don't do all the old ways anymore. Yeah. Like it's a waste of time sort of thing. But anyway, back to the, back to the current moment. Yeah. But I, th- I think the point of that, and I mean, look, if you're Indigenous, you could totally correct us, but I, I feel like the point of that is like, because she says um, you whack your head because then that will heal and it will heal your, your broken mm, heart. Maybe, right? maybe when that might, hurt heals. Yeah. This so heal, it, it's yeah. just really a way of sort of saying, you know, you've whacked yourself in the head, there's a wound the wound takes time to heal the same as a grief, I think. I yeah. Think, but someone yeah. could it, it makes, totally correct It makes me. a certain type of sense. It does, but it lo- it's it's culturally, when you're not Indigenous, it's weird. It looks weird to me. But it's it's great that they included that, I think. Um, and uh, so they have an argument about here because he's like, well, we're gonna, I'm going to go on to the river. I don't have much time left. I can't actually remember maybe uh, what the time yeah, was Yeah, it would be now, best if you came down. with me. Uh, he wants her to come, but she says, I don't care about you and your baby. Um, and he, so he, want, he just has to leave, you know. Uh, and he has this image of him digging the earth um, uh, and he kind of collapses and he does start digging the earth a little bit, even though Rosie's on his back. Um, and then he wakes up. And he's kind of a bit confused. And actually, Tui has the baby. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she goes, yeah, let's go to the river. Um, and they go down the river. They get on the boat. And it's a nice kind of circling back to where he's come from because he goes past his houseboat. And, and you, know, you can see the, the, the clothesline. The clothesline. Yeah, yeah, like, so there's a bit of a like, Ugh. that sort of. She um, never have left. He's <laughs> like, like looking going, that's like the. Domestic bliss. You know, it it's is, like, yeah. That was the good old days. That was the good days. When yeah. they were just worried about starving to death. Yes. Rather than actually um, just dying. And so because his plan here is to head back to the, the, the family that were having the birthday party. Mm. So they get, you know, he heads back there and they kind of get to their camp. Um, and, um, you know, they're looking around and no one's there. Birthday cake's kind of half eaten. Um, and, um, you know, so... Tui, and that's you're right. That's where Tui sort of says about the old times and and that sort of that sort of situation. Um, and they kind of like look in the, yeah. the thing. and he and he well, does. He, he puts a bandage on her head, and he, he makes the point that the cake is still fresh. Yes. so that they so can't. They, be they, they've got to be close by. Um, so yeah. anyway, he's outside with Rosie, and um, Tui's inside the caravan. He sort of hears something maybe in the distance, yeah. so he starts wandering off. And he discovers the family and the man's like digging and digging and the kids are playing like a pirate thing. Um, and he starts to kind of again greet them really cheerily and uh, the dad's like, you know, he's infected. Yeah, he, he kind of, you see he's bitten on the neck. Yeah. And then you see that he's been digging a pretty it's big pretty hole. pretty much a, a grave, yeah. A mass, the thing that I was not clear about was were the whole family infected? Yeah. I got the impression it was just him and he I, said... I promised them I wouldn't leave them. Yeah, and that oh, yeah, that broke my heart. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think it's that sort of debate, isn't it? Like if the man protects the whole family and then he's been bitten, does he? Yeah, well, no. you hear about these scenarios, don't you? No, right? my wife yeah. would. When my wife would say, "That's cool, I can take him." Yeah, and, I, and right. I'd, I'd agree. I'd say, "Look, <laughs> yeah, there'd be better shot with my wife." I think. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're you're tough. You know what to do. You were protecting me. <laughs> She'll she famously tell you about the fact that she lived in a shed for seven years. 
There you go. And uh, ate Goanna. This yeah. is good information to know. The word. Ate, ate Goanna and went to a corroboree. In fact. All right, I'll, I'll let you yeah. out the back with the zombies yeah. next time. I know. No, don't let me out the back. Let my wife out the back with the zombies. <laughs> no, you're the bait. She's, you're oh, the bait. Oh, okay. She yes. can take care of them. That's why I've been practicing them. running. Yeah. I, I, can, yeah. I can run off in the distance right. for hours and hours. You've yeah. been practicing your running. Just run. It's yes. always the best advice. There Trust me. Watch lots of these horror movies. Just run. Um, yeah, so that, that was such a – I found that yeah. it was a heartbreaking scene where it's just like – because I was going thinking, I'm not I'm – not, Convinced that the kids and the wife. No, are I don't infected, think they were infected. But the that wife was nice. clearly in on it. Yeah, because yeah. she was distracting and playing with the kids, and right. he was obviously digging graves. Yeah, the kids. You know, he was saying, "There's a pirate game. Look, come." And yeah. then in the background, and this is again, this happens off screen. Thank yeah. goodness, because he says, "Come and see if we've got any treasure." Yeah, and Andy's sort of come walking find off. your treasure. Yeah. yeah, and then sure, and then we cut to Toomey, and she's kind of considering things. We cut back. And then you hear the gunshots, some like three gunshots in quick succession, which are oh, that. And, and this is the thing we say, this is not, uh, it's not really like a horror movie in no. many ways, but it's still, it's, it's a, it's a deeply still, disturbing yeah. in many ways. Yeah. Like, like I found that scene to be, uh, just particularly because it all happened off screen. Like had that been like in your face, yeah, it would have been too insane. I think like, so, and, yeah, and, it, yeah. and it would have lost its effect. But this yeah. was just like you can, you just your imagination's filling the gaps. And then the guy, because he, he offered the last two bullets, yeah, to Andy, and the guy sort of came up pretty close, close to him. And I was thinking, oh shit, this guy's going to take a shot at him, but he shoots himself in the head. Yeah, and you know, he wanted to the, get, he wanted to give him the gun. Drops yeah. the pistol out, and yeah, it's just Andy takes the gun. And, and he, he contemplates. He looks at it. Again. He sees the two bullets there, and he's he's like, he looks at. It, then Toomey walks up, and he puts he's, he's put the gun down, and he's sort of you know he's he's messed up. And I I I gotta say it'd be hard to recover from that scene where there's like he clearly had this whole party. It was a sixth birthday as well, and they're they're playing this game. Oh, Christ! Yeah, that's that's rough. But anyway, he, it was very rough. And so she says, um, no, she says she wants to go home. And he says, yeah, I want to, I want you to find yeah, the people too. Cause he's, he's taken the, but, she's taken the, the leaves off her shoe, which she said she put on there not to hide from the ghost, but to hide yeah, from mum. Mum, Yeah. And so, uh, he says, yes, I want you to, but I won't make it. And she goes, well, actually there's smoke signals over behind. The mm, I can see the smoke means people. Yeah. So will go that way and so they go that way and it's kind of like a, they walk along the train rack and they get to a nice train tunnel which I thought oh lovely just walk through a train tunnel yeah you well they, they just walk past a, a cow being ripped apart by yeah, a bunch yeah. of these zombies and uh, I think Toomey says something along the lines of you know it's oh, it's hell. scary in there it's heaps creepy in there yeah and he says yeah I think it's heaps creepy out here too yeah which is true and then when they're in the tunnel there's, there is zombies there and they're kind of like beating their heads against the wall yeah. or something. They're trying to get their head into the earth. Well, well yeah, it's like Toomey sort of saying they need the dark to yeah. hibernate. They're hibernating. They're hibernating, yeah. So they, they creep past. Yeah, they creep past, but they, they get towards the end and they come across Vic. Now, yeah, the front of the fire, he's burning. He's got like a drum that he's burning. Yeah, and he's collecting stuff, stuff or something. Um, so they sort of hide a little bit, but, you know, not for long. And then Well, he gets Andy, he, he sort of is suspicious of Yeah, someone's like, there. So he he comes uh, Vic comes along, and Andy moves up and yeah you know, hides in the front. He's got the gun. Yeah, 
But then I think he sort of chickens out. He, he does. He's not sure. And so he runs over and joins the, the, the zombies. zombies. Yeah. And Oop. Vic ever so pleasantly just comes up with a hammer and starts smashing these zombies. Smashing the zombies. But, you know, you can't really blame him for that. No. You don't want him just wandering about the place. No, you wouldn't. They're coming along the lines and then finally there's, you know, Andy the last one. He spins around and wrestles with him and shoots Vic once. Yep. Uh, and then they sort of... They wrestle again they on the tussle floor. a bit more and then Andy gets shot. Yeah. Which, which is, yeah, he's got two bullets. He should have only had one. Yeah. Okay. And Vic staggers back, leaving Andy lying down because Andy's having it rough. Yeah, well, Andy ain't no... Andy ain't no... And, and Vic hero. opens up the, the truck sort of thing and, and yeah. pulls... To me out, chucks her on the, the ground and gets whacks her head. Rosie and Andy comes over. And there's this tense moment where Vic is He's kind of threatening the, the baby, yeah, yeah. basically. Saying, so you took mine, so I'm going to take yours. And Andy just very honestly says, but she wasn't really yours, was she? Yeah. And so Vic just realizes that he was a bit pathetic. Yeah. And, you know, he had killed Lorraine and, you know, he, he didn't want to kill. He ends up not wanting to kill the baby, which is... Yeah. Because it was a very tense moment. I was pretty oh, sure that yeah. he wouldn't. Yeah. But uh, you just don't know with a crazy like this. Yeah. So, so Andy <laughs> takes the baby back. Yeah. And, and Tui kind of picks her up and gets uh, moving again. And they leave Vic there because he's just bleeding out. Yeah. He's got shot in the guts. Well, he's given. He's he's bleeding, but he's also he's given up. Yeah. I think that's it. He's like, done for the he's day. He's done for it. He's had enough. And um, so they're walking on, and it's nice because. Obviously, Tui's got the head wound, so he Andy tries to keep her going. So he mm. like you know motivates her and he gets her to talk and he's asking her what does this word mean in indigenous language and you know he's like trying to keep her awake. You know, obviously, um, sort of not not knocking out, but he's not doing well either. No. Right? like he's kind of collapsing as well, um, and he kind of keeps them going a bit more and they're heading towards this smoke. And then he collapses, and this time when he collapses, he's got he, the gunk suddenly on his eyes. Yeah, he's and it's kind of like he's starting to cover, so he kind of clears and it off. And he sniffs, and he sees a bit of like, yeah, guts or something yeah. on the ground. Well, I think he at first of all, I think he he also like notices to his blood, and he's yeah. kind of a bit like the, again that attraction to the blood, yeah. and, then, and then so he like pulls himself away, and he sees this bloody guts on the ground, and so. Quite cleverly, he grabs it and sticks it in his pocket. So I guess it's mm. to try to distract him the whole time that he, instead of maybe licking to his head, <laughs> just just, <laughs> just a, a little lick, a little like bit. He's kind of then more, you know, oh, I've got this thing in my pocket. Um, so then he's like still staggering along, um, and then he then he collapses again, and um, he's he's degenerated even a bit. And he says, "I've got to say, basically say his goodbye yeah. you know, to Rosie before it's too late." Um, and then we cut to, you know, it's great. Like the indigenous people are in this really smoky, hazy thing. Mom and, and look, clever they're, man they're, and yeah, St. Kilda jumper guy. And, and there's a Hawthorne person in there, yeah. I think, as well. Um, and, uh, but they look, they look like warriors, hey? Like it's a really cool kind of yeah, thing. They're, and they're, they're there's zombies the whole... staggering out of the dark and they're spearing them and they're sticking them in the ground, all this sort of stuff. Um, it's, it's a pretty cool, I liked how they shot that. Um, anyway, and then we cut back. It, it looked a bit. Ridualistic because of the did, smoke, yeah, and, it, and they, they painted it up, and it looked like they were sort of dancing a bit. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. It was, it was quite sort of. It was a, it was a ritual, it was a hunting. Ritual, it was very interesting. Right? It, yeah. it was a different. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't survival. It was. No. 
Yeah, those are doing a thing. Yeah, they were, they were. And I think that's a really nice thing in this, you know, versus, you know, you see that in other zombie films, you might get to that climax where then the group have come together and they've got their, like, they've got their shit together, don't they? Yeah. And one of them's got a chainsaw made out of, you know, homemade tools and you know, out of the garage and someone else is like, you know, got their spears and someone else has got a big machine gun. They go, right, it's time to take, you know, it's like it, that's sort of the ritual. But in this film it was more, oh, the Indigenous people, it's like they've come back together and yeah, they're doing something it was, special, you know, together. Yeah, it was sort of well done that they, yeah. they had the, the the fire burning, but it was a low-controlled burn. Yeah, yeah and it was a trick. Yeah, it seemed to be, yeah, like, I, I don't know, like, I, I, I don't know what to call it, but it seemed like they were actually doing a, an intentional yeah. uh, thing rather than just kind of trying Surviving, to kill zombies. They weren't just yeah. killing zombies. They were, yeah. they were killing zombies in a particular way. They were. Presumably to, to cleanse the earth, I think they, they said at some point. Yeah. But they... Um, Good old Andy has collapsed. He's gone. Yeah, and, and he, he ties the goop in his pocket onto the string, onto yeah. the stick. And he handcuffs himself and puts his mouth, mouth guard in. in. <laughs> and we just have this weird shot of like sort of to his feet off the ground. And well, we don't actually see it. We don't, it's just like, I was a bit like, oh. And then it kind of cut back to the indigenous doing their spearing and all this sort of stuff. And they kind of stopped. You know, they'd mm. done them all. They'd done this sort of zombies that they'd attracted. And they went, oh, you know, we've done well. You know, it's a good clearing, whatever. And they sort of started to walk away. And then you heard the whistle. Yeah, that little the, bird the whistle. Little bird whistle. And then there's another bird whistle and they stop. Mum looks um, back. Mum looks back. And then out of the kind of through the smoke comes this weird shape because it's Andy with his baby on his back and Tui on the back of yeah. that. And this spear with the meat hanging out the front. So it looks really weird, doesn't yeah, it? It's like I mean, a really... carrot and stick, really. Yeah, yeah. And it is. Donkey. All the cheese, uh, the old cheese stick in front of the mouth sort of thing. Yeah. thing. Yeah. So it was a cool little effect. And they kind of like go to kill him. and But they, you know, they get Tui and the baby off first. Um, and Clever Man does go to kill him. But there's a nice moment there, isn't there, that Tui stops her and she sprays the perfume. Mm. So the wife's and perfume. And Andy... And, and he reacts. actually has a moment. Or it seems he's like he, of, yeah, he calms down a bit and he he's, he pauses for a moment. Mm. And yeah, you sort of think that's like saying goodbye. It's, it's yeah, nice. And yeah. then too, he squeezes his hand. And, yeah, and then he gets a spear in the then head. Then he gets a spear in the head. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But also, man, again, like, you know, like we've said, like you know, the scientists have said you got forty eight hours to live. Mm. Even in that context, he's just turned. You know, in in this story. You know, in in some zombie films, you're a zombie. That's it. But it's like maybe you're just like maybe still with it a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, like because that's the thing with the blood thing. Like he licked blood off the wall, but then he kind of was like, "Oh fuck, what the hell am I doing?" Like like someone on drugs. You know, like they might be a bit out of it, but they're still them. You know, they're, they're still the person. Yeah. They're not like it's not this evil and good thing. They're still the the same person. They're just on drugs or something. You know, so it's like it's like yeah, maybe he's a zombie, but he's still. You know, if you sprayed perfume or he heard he heard a noise that he recognised, he would actually respond to it. You know, it's not necessarily an instant. You yeah, know, you're a zombie and that's it. And so this then is the the end where they, uh, Toomey's reunited with a mum, and I don't know, probably related brothers. Yeah, is cousins, yeah. uncles. It's not really indicated, but uh, they clearly know each other. Mm. And they, they head back and meet up with the other, the rest of the group. 
presumably um, locals who have gone bush. And yeah, it's sort of a, a happy it's reunion. It's a happy tribal And thing, you look at it and you sort yeah. of go, like, you know, they're, they're talking nicely. They all seem yeah. quite content, uh, which it, I guess it, they would be. They're, they're, they're friends and family have come mm, back and it, it, they've and been reunited. Like, and I think like you saying what they were doing is not just surviving. It was like a ritual. Again, this moment, it's a bit like it doesn't look like they're just surviving. It looks like they're thriving. They're doing you a know? thing. They're yeah. doing a thing. So it's maybe not the kind of thing that we would do, but it's like, oh, they're not living moment to moment like they were at the start with Andy and Kay yeah, it, on the boat. It definitely you know? looks like this was what it's they were doing now. This is yeah. what they're doing now. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's okay. And, and there's a nice little touch that they're all sort of holding the baby and they lift up the top and it says, thank you. Uh, I nearly cried when I saw oh. that. It was beautiful. <laughs> thank you. And it, then it goes to the fact that he has been buried in the tree like like we saw with Willie. Yeah. You know, so they've actually protected his his spirit as they, by putting him up in the trees. So that's a, that's a nice little moment. And it's the end. Roll yeah. credits, sorry. Some cool music coming off in the end. So what was your overall impression of that? Uh, it was, this is something I do think makes for an effective film or how I recognize an effective film, particularly this variety, is for the whole thing, I, I felt mixed feelings in my stomach. Mm. You know, feelings of sort of dread and horror and, you know, like I was uncomfortable most of the film, mm. particularly you know, when something nice happened. You still had that uncomfortable because you know okay, the, the the nice thing is just here to offset or to set me up yep. for the next uh, bit, which is um, yeah, it's which sort is, of roller coaster, which is great. Yeah, so the whole the whole time, uh, it's not uh, an action packed thriller. It's no. not a uh, gore or suspenseful, really horror or any of that sort of thing. But the whole time, I was I was feeling a bit unsettled, yeah, a bit upset at times a little bit happy or, or um, bittersweet or, you know, like it was really well done in that sense. So, yes. so yeah. that's what I, I'd like for it from it. And I, there was a number of very effective scenes in here that really did that well. So the uh, finding the, the chest of food, but you've got that little foreshadowing where he hears the, the noise and the, but he leaves. Yeah. And so you get that little relief where they're going where's our food going to come from mm. i know he's in danger oh he's okay and yeah. they got the food oh isn't that sweet they're having yeah. a little bit of a joke because yeah. they're so relieved they've got a bottle of wine they just and, they have a little bit of relief well, it's just to set you up and it sets you up so nicely for when she goes back and you know she's done for yeah you don't know if she's just going to disappear and not come back again yeah but you kind of suspect that would be too easy yes if she just disappeared and that was the last you saw and, of her. and you're right in that even fact that okay he's trying to get her to hospital car crash she's more you know she, she's died quicker than what happened because yeah. of the car crash um but you know what then maybe it's just him and the baby maybe that maybe they are better off you know because she was going to die it sort of solved that problem Ah, uh, but now he's you know yeah. right so no now it's even worse because yeah who is actually going to look after the baby you know? yeah so it's yeah. quite quite good they really did this good pairing of the uh, seeming reprieve, you know, he finds Vic and they've got a secure location and there's, you know, Vic's missus who yeah, is a woman, yeah. would love to have the baby around. Yeah. And so you're going, oh, yeah, yeah. But you very quickly, you're already a bit suspicious because Vic's yeah. a bit rough. Yeah. 
It w- actually, it would have been less suspicious if Vic was a bit rough when he came back and there was a somewhat rough woman there. Yeah. You know, a bit of a bush yeah. woman with him. Yeah. Who was equally... Bush woman. <laughs> equally yeah, so sort yeah. of yeah, yeah, rough. Yeah. You know, but instead it's like this clearly probably 10, 15, 20 yeah. years younger than him. Like and she, she's a bit more prim and proper. And, and, and she's, she's quiet and yeah. sullen and, you know, like yeah. not... She's not coming out going, oh, Vic, you old bastard. <laughs> What why'd did you, you bring? Why'd you drag back to the yeah, camp? You know, right, like yeah, yeah. instead she's just sort of, oh, hello. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, gets the, the pearls and kind of you go, okay, this this is not right. This is weird. Yeah. I don't know how not right this is, but it's not right. So, yeah, yeah you get this. It's, that's, a, so that's what I've got. It's, I love that, that pairing. I'd, that's something I'd love to be able to yeah. to think of and to do is, is that have that seeming reprieve, the up, and then just before yeah, the down. Up and the down. Yeah, yeah. beautiful. I think for me, a, a big first impression straight away was just like, I've seen a lot of zombie things. And then like this, there was this nice point of difference with the indigenous version kind of coming yeah, through. Like, yeah. like, and I did kind of, uh, you know, a, a lot of Australian films can quite often have that. Um, they don't quite have that commercial Hollywood climax. And that, that can be disappointing at times. Um, I think this film actually still has the climax, everything, but it's it's almost like yeah, instead of like they rally together and chainsaw the crap out of a big horde of zombies, it's like no, the point here is that the way the indigenous people deal with it, more on a ritual kind of a cleansing, bringing people back to the land and protecting the earth and that kind. Of, like to me, I was like, oh, it's, it, that's a nice point of difference on a zombie story. You know, it's also like, nice that it wasn't. Like, uh, done in a in a patronising no, way. Like it, no, there wasn't, it wasn't. It was. There wasn't. You know, um, Aborigines thumping their feet in the no. ground and hollering <laughs> and carrying on. No, they were no, they no. were doing something that looked like um, part practical, part yeah. part yeah. like they were sort of yeah, like because it, it didn't uh, look like they were doing a ritual ritual. No, 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 no. But at the same time, it didn't look like they were just luring zombies and killing. No, them. no. They, they were they were doing a bit of a mix, and I think that's what you were saying earlier. Yeah. That it's like, you know, like Tui says, we can't do the old ways, but the way things were, we can't keep doing. Yeah, that can't either. do you know, like so. It's kind of a bit of a combination of both. But what I mean is just, it was kind of a nice first impression mm. that I I didn't again not knowing what this film was about. You can read that blurb like a man searches for people, you know, for someone to look after his baby. Like it could it could have had none of that indigenous to it. It could have mm. just been a story about you know a man. Trying in a zombie apocalypse, trying to find a new parent, um, and more, you know, the stuff that we have seen in zombie films so far. But they they did take it down a bit of a different angle, you know. Um, and I like that. Yeah, I think it, that was a good I think first it also thing. did that, move. That to me, was a nice impression. It also gave that that idea of new generations with new ways, new ideas. Yeah, um, you know, looking, you know, being informed by the past yep. and taking the good that works. Yeah. Uh, and and the context we're in with the coronavirus, like, you know, you and I have talked about, you know, from working at home and, and even the way that people communicate and even maybe the thing, the done thing, you know, the things that we've always done. You know, New Zealand, the Prime Minister's talked about a four-day working week to re-stimulate their economy. You know, how, how crazy. So good. Right. Like, but, but what I mean is, like, this film, it's touching a bit on that, isn't it? It's like, it it's is. like do you just, like, Vic... Do you go back to those ways where we fight over diamonds and you know, hand sanitizer, and do we yeah, try like, to find out the best 
what's the best business that's going to come out of this? Yeah, and like really do we do win? that or do we really want to actually just for everything to go back or are, do we look at things totally different? Like do we need to all go back and work in big cities or can we work from home? Well, someone pointed we, out this thing that says, well, communicate uh, with there's, there's something right. wrong when our economy collapses and people are struggling because we've stopped buying useless things. We're yeah. only buying the essentials now. Mm. And apparently that has destroyed us. Yeah. And you think, yeah, I know. That's, it seems a bit wrong that buying the essentials puts people in poverty. How? Yeah. How, what sort of a screwed up society is that? Yeah. That doesn't seem And, and even like a lot of people did, like people bought chickens and herbs and, you know, people grew, grew you know, start, because of all that panic buying, people started talking about, Growing or you know growing their own things and people like investing uh, in their all time. All the seedlings and, at Bunnings were gone. Yeah, they were all gone, right? Like, so it's like, mm, but that's it's, a it's long-term like, view. And I don't necessarily think people will stick with that. But isn't that kind of like a different way of doing? It? People like, suddenly oh. bought all the flour. Yeah, to go baking and to go baking, which like, I found funny because I was like, you're going to find it's a bit harder and more planning involved to bake on any regular basis. That's right. But sorry, like that. But that's the thing is. Do we just continue? Do we go back to that society where it is all drive through and you know everyone does everything for us? Like we buy bread already baked, or do we actually create a? I'm not saying we like you totally get rid of all that stuff because some of that stuff is extremely practical and good, but maybe society does need to look at itself a little bit differently. Oh, uh, you know what I think is really cool is I went to Kmart, uh, I was trying to buy. Some presents for my son. Yes, we need to get some advertising. Yeah. Oh, well, sorry, I mentioned I went, a few brands. <laughs> went, went to a place. Uh, and so I was buying like a, a bike computer to put on his bike that he got for Christmas yeah. so he can know how fast he's going and stuff. And I went to the bike section, of course. It was Sold empty out. of bikes. Oh, yeah, yeah. And sure enough, I know that because when my kids were at home and I was at home, we'd go out at lunchtime and I'd go running and they'd ride along with me. And... Normally, uh, I'm alone on those yeah. paths. Yeah. But this time, there was, there was people all down along the beach because yeah. it was such beautiful weather. Yeah. For for those of you who don't live in WA, well, we had good weather we, in the isolated We have period. nice weather during yeah. that. It was beautiful. So, yeah, like the beach was. This is a beach where I have taken numerous photos walking the dogs and the kids. All various no, hours on the weekend, <laughs> it's just a picture of my son walking by himself with an empty beach ahead of him. Yeah. yeah. Or my dog, or something like that, and that's the norm. This was just there was people. There would have been, I can't about forty people. Mm. These little families, they're all separated, very well yeah, separated, yeah. but they're all down there. And then on the bike path, there's bikes yeah. and people walking and jogging and families out doing stuff. And you sort of think, and I was thinking to myself, what is it you're normally doing on a weekend? Yeah, that isn't this. Why are you not normally doing this on a weekend? Because yeah, yeah. this is what I normally do on a weekend. Is yeah, we go down to the beach. Yeah, and. We we go for a ride or something. So uh, clearly, other people may were going to other people's houses and things. But here was a lot of people um, reconnecting as families. It was a lot of well, young couples pushing, walking the baby together, like because the dad was home from fly yeah, work or whatever. Yeah. I found I found it more, especially during the weekdays, like that. Suddenly, you know, if you went, I took, I was taking my, as I told you, there's a couple of days that. Uh, I had a couple of hours off during the day and to give my wife a break, I would, the same thing, take the kids to the beach. 
and there is that same concept as like, oh, there's people riding bikes, there's people walking, there's people, and you could tell, like a lot of them were people in their 20s and their 30s and their 40s and their 50s that probably most of them don't do that normally because they normally would be working in some high rise or they'd be mm. off on a job, whereas now their job's at home and maybe, yeah, they can just, at 10 a.m., they can just go, I'm just going to go for a walk or a bike ride or I'm going to go down to the beach yeah. and have like I'm going to have morning tea on the beach with my kids for an hour, you know, like... Like it, it, it changed that way up. And then when you couple it, even on the weekend, you said, what do you normally do? Well, the shops are boring because most of the shops are closed. You're not supposed to really go out and about unless it was essentials. You know, there's no movies, there's no coffee shops, there's no restaurants. So you can't do any of that. Then there's no sports. So, you know, even if you kind of say, oh, the kids play a sport on Saturday, Sunday, because I've known people that they spend their whole Saturday like supporting sports. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking, you know, the big leagues. I'm just talking like their kids play or their brother plays or whatever, and they go and support those clubs. That that can sometimes be the whole Saturday doing that oh, sort yeah. of stuff. But I think also part of it is once you took away all of those mundane, uh, sorry, all those things that people interpret as it, it's like people go, what do you mean? We sit around at home with the kids. I can't, I can't do that. Like, what, what can we do? I'm going to go to the beach. Oh, let's go to the beach. Yeah, let's go to the beach. <laughs> like, let's, like, we've got to go do something, you know what I mean? Like people can't sit still. And there was... To me, I think there was a lot of positive from that. Like so oh, many people absolutely. out and about. Was... I think so many people exercised that don't normally exercise. Well, I, you know? I, I was seeing, as I said, I was seeing a lot of young couples with little babies, like yeah. in prams or like toddlers, walking together, yeah. like on a weekday versus maybe just mum. When normally, walking, yeah, yeah, the dad would be maybe flyed out, yeah, to a mine site, uh, or, or just be go up to in, work up Monday in to Perth Friday, somewhere, yeah. and, and they get to spend this time sort of. Getting to know each other would be better right. as yeah, a yeah. family, which yeah, which is so. Nice. The question that you got to ask is, do we not want to keep that? Isn't there yeah, is yeah. there not some part of that? Like you said, that's some of the you know uh, traditional stuff. Do we want to keep some of that? Bring mm. some of that traditional stuff back before we could easily just travel about the place so much and had so many distractions. Mm. Uh, but we want to introduce the new things as well, yeah. like yeah. Uh, I mean, there's always a happy medium, I think. Mm. But like that, that's the thing, like you suddenly have this weird world event that we've just gone through and you've seen some of the positives of people not happening to go work in these high-rise towers and be on a train at, you know, every morning at 6am to get to the city at 8am and, you know, and then not see their baby all day and all that. And then look at this. Well, they work at home. Plenty of businesses, I've read a couple of articles that said, People have been just as efficient, like working from home. We, we've done fact, the, like the customer base is fine. The people are happy. We did the surveys and our work that still need people there. But maybe, the, but maybe it's also again, it's a happy medium. Maybe it's you know, like maybe we work in the office tower three days a week, and you work from home two days a week. Well, about sixty you know? percent of our company has you know, the uh, place I work at has basically said that they're happy to not return to work. Mm. Like, yeah. And and the Project managers are saying, "Well, we're still getting through the same stuff." Yeah, uh, you know, that's pretty good. So there's this this um, survey went out. There's uh, about ten percent or twenty percent say that they definitely need to be in the office, mm. and that sort of corresponds tight closely with the HR legal teams, communications team, yeah, who are populated with people whose job involves tight communication with other people. Yeah, whereas most of the companies engineers technically. IT, and you guys don't. Know for to me, talk to it people. it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't make any difference. Like the computers I'm working on aren't even in the office yeah. anyway. I'm in yeah. the office with 
I, I take my laptop, it's sitting here next to me now, yeah. up to the office to sit at that desk to communicate with the computers that are in data centers Somewhere in Brisbane. Else, yeah. <laughs> so, like, I might as well sit in my own yeah. house and do the same thing. Uh, so, yeah, there are some things that, uh, and our team in general is coming to the consensus that when we are allowed back into the office, we'd all be happy with just two days a week. Mm. So we would basically schedule all of our inter-team meetings where we need to talk to other people outside of a team so on those two days and then have three days from home where we could do our own normal team communications and so on. Uh, and it's good. Yeah, we've, yeah. we've also had um, computer games nights, which we haven't had before. Yeah. And I haven't been able to interact with uh, people after work. We have after work drinks, which is kind of a bit sad because we're basically all sitting by ourselves in our office with uh, our cameras on. But it's it's quite good. You know, we, we have good conversations. Uh, we've got good network communication. Uh, so we're, we, we have talk. We sort of sit back and have a beer and have a bit of a chat with these people in a situation because I've got a one-hour commute. I don't hang around after work. Yeah. I remember back in the day when I was in Canberra or in Melbourne when I was like 15 minutes away from home. Yeah, after work, I would we'd, we'd go and, um, you know, have a bite to eat yeah. uh, and socialise. But here it's like, Five o'clock, if I leave right on the dot, I can get home by 6.24. Mm. You know, I can get in the door at 6.24. That's the fastest I can get home. Yeah. So nearly an hour and a half it takes me to get from door to door. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So it's good. So, that yeah, I can see the same thing. Here, the kids and the families left that community, like the, the village, the little town, which is basically, a, it was a, if you've ever been, and this is not being offensive to the people who live there, but they're shitholes. And the people that live there recognize that. Like, they're underfunded. They have bad services because they're out in the middle of freaking nowhere. So they don't get, like, the telecommunication. They don't have TV coverage. They don't get the good teachers or doctors or hospitals. Yeah. You know, and, and the roads, they don't get paved roads. Yeah. Yeah, like, turns paved out... goals are... <laughs> turn, it turns out with this, this uh, apocalypse that occurred in this movie... Yeah, they, they left. They were able to keep some of the good stuff, you know. That's um, their footy team. You know, their, their, their shoes. Yeah. Um, they, they, some of them were wearing them, some weren't. And they had, um, you know, their hats and, and accoutrements of outside life. They had blankets and things <coughs> at their camp. And, but at the same time, they were doing, you know, getting back to... They've gone camping, basically. Yeah. Get, getting back into into learning and doing things that were more productive right. and more beneficial than, you know, sitting there in a school, for example, learning about things that just aren't relevant and probably weren't terribly relevant to them anyway, given that the opportunity to leave those small towns is very limited mm. because there's literally, you know, unless you somehow buy a car and drive out of there, it's not like there's a great regular airport or anything on those lines. No, they're, no. they're they're very very isolated towns. Like uh, more like more like what I imagine is like some of the places up in Alaska. If you're talking about America and Canada, yeah, yeah. and the Northwest Territories up up there, where these towns see no one from the outside except maybe a trucker driving through for a very long time and trying to get out of there. But like I said, if you had a car, but it's not like they have car dealerships. No. 
Yeah, yeah you can't. There's, it's not like a, a new Toyota. You can't go down the Toyota store and get a new Toyota. And actually, buy a car. Yeah. Uh, and then even if you could, how would you finance it? Because there's yeah. no bank branch there. No. There's no job. And so. yeah, unless you're working on the mine side or the gas side. But if you're working the gas side, you probably fly and fly out from a big city. Yeah, that's right. So basically, it was almost like, yeah, this this apocalypse came through, and suddenly it was like a maybe a relief. It's like, oh, we can finally officially say that this is all kind of a little bit pointless to us, yes. not terribly relevant. And now we can do something that's actually not just relevant to us, but actually more relevant to everyone. You know, Rosie is gone there to be looked after yeah. rather than going to a big city or something. Yeah. Because yeah, the cities are no longer a relevant place. Yep. Yeah. 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 That's, I think, I think that's the thing the film takes the you know the opportunity to sort of suggest a bit of a change which is quite interesting in in our current context so what about our ladder position what are you thinking for this one for me yeah i reckon cargo goes right bang in the middle of my ladder another so, middle shot yeah the, i know the last couple of we've talked about it's going right i mean last week was very different with total the recall but mine just goes smack bang in the middle. I mean, we're up to episode 31 here. I reckon this one is sitting on my 15th rank. <laughs> and I reckon it's because it's a good up and down story. I think it's uh, definitely very interesting, the take on zombies. I also like that it's not the sort of, it's not about the zombies. It's about more the characters. Um, I do like that real touch. I think the scientific stuff in here is really that, government first aid parcel oh, it's, <laughs> it's so cool it's such a great thing it's almost yeah. in in other ways it could almost have been a joke it could have like been. a gag yeah, you yeah. know like yeah here's if the, it wasn't so severe <laughs> here's the first aid kit you know yeah, and, it's, yeah. and it's got the suicide instructions yeah. basically yeah i think that's a little nod to australian humor but because that that is what would probably happen yes, like the government you... i mean right now we've got that whole like Step two, a step, you know, there's a three-step process out of coronavirus. You know, it's like, it's so like, we're going to do this and then we're going to do that and then we're going to do that. It's like this in the zombie, okay, you're going to get this little pack and when you get the pack, open it up and inside the pack, there's something that you insert into the brain cavity if you shall choose you put your to your timer on. We're not going to tell you to do that, but we're just recommending this advice to you. So you can <laughs> as look long after everyone yourself. Stays, you know, two metres apart from each other, we probably won't spread this zombie virus. Yeah. You know? um, but yeah, I think that's a nice little touch. But uh, yeah, for me, it's just, it's just right bang in the middle because I think it's a really clever story. I think it's tight. I think it's a um, great roller coaster up and down moment. Um, and I think I could have done with probably on the negative side, a little bit more science, like a little bit more behind maybe where this pandemic had come from. You know, there was the there was the signage that maybe the fracking had caused it or maybe it's just that we've damaged, you know, like as I said, like we've damaged the environment and so therefore now a sickness has kind of come over us. But maybe that could have been investigated a little bit more or, or brought up somehow. Um you know, quite often in zombie films, they discover the science lab that was, you know, looking at the virus and they realise what the deal is. But, you know, you know what I mean? So if they discovered the the gas mine, maybe that's where they'd realise that's where it's come from. I don't know. There could have been a little bit more of a, a scientific element that way for me. But I think apart from that, it's a really good story and it's told well, told what, um, really well. So, yeah, I'm putting it right in the... Yeah, I, I think so. I've got it sort of in a... In the upper middle-ish part there, uh, it 
remind me a bit of sort of Iron Mother, Tau, Anon, that sort of region. Yeah. Where, yeah, some really good ideas. Um, I, I'm not sure. I guess it came from the short movie, short film. Yeah. Which I think a short film would have been a little bit too short for it. Yeah. I'm, I'm wondering if this was a, a mostly feature length because it was kind of a bit of extra put in there with the, the, the B plot, uh, around the, um, you know, Toomey and, and yeah. Vic and, and these sort of bits. And maybe, maybe with that extra length, they did need that bit of, bit of extra sort of, uh, background world building type yeah. of stuff. Like they had, they did yeah. well as a, with that kit. That was a great yeah. little thing, but there's kind of this almost a bit of a red herring with the fracking. Is that a, yeah. like, that's why maybe that was so. Yeah. But it still had that great, the whole time you felt a bit of intensity through the whole movie, which is mm. really good. There was no point where I was sort of going, yeah, whatever. Yeah. I was always just like, oh God, no. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah no. Yeah. So it's good. <laughs> it's good. Yeah, and I mean, like, that, the thing with the fracking gas thing, it was just a nice little hint, you know, like, it, and it didn't matter that it didn't go in, but I suppose, what I'm just saying is where it would have boosted up my ladder a little bit more is maybe just having something a bit yeah. more scientific in it, uh, which probably leads me into that next question is what sort of science do you want to focus on with this, Sorry, What do uh, you pull out from well, this? Well, one of the is interesting... about fracking? Well, no, not really. Some not directly. Like fracking. But is it with... No fracking. You could frack off. So the well, well, you said you know maybe this disease came from fracking. Twenty fourteen, so pretty recent. Mm-hmm. Uh, some researchers in the uh, Centre National de la Recherche Scientifique. Okay, so I'm sorry, the French people <laughs> what out are you there. Really, there, French Arnold Schwarzenegger. The Centre of National. <laughs> The National Center of Scientific Research at uh, Marseille University in France. Basically, they dug a fascinating organism out of the Siberian permafrost, mm. a giant virus. Oh. So this is, this is a 30,000-year-old virus yep. that's been frozen in time. And they pulled it out and they've reanimated it and infected some bacteria, some amoeba with it. Oh, which it, poor amoeba. Yeah, it, it can't infect humans. Yeah. Let's put it that way. But the reason it's so big, it's a, a giant virus, this giant ancient virus. It's got 500 genes in it. Mm. So there's 500 um, combinations of genetic pairs used for encoding uh, protein synthesis, like yeah, right. for creating stuff. It's a bit like the thing, really, isn't it? Like well, yeah, uh, digging and, the thing out of the ice. To put that in perspective, HIV, which is uh, a similar DNA-style virus, has 12 genes. Mm. So this, this thing is, you know, Very 50 different. times bigger wow. in, in the complexity of its DNA, the amount of DNA it's carrying around with it, which is very interesting. It's, it's harmless to humans. Mm. As it turns out, it consumes um, like microorganisms. But... There are other viruses and things they've picked up which have not been active and so forth. And there's this thought, well, with the defrosting of the permafrost, thanks to global warming, or, for example, if you are fracturing ancient rock structures and flushing water through it and washing up gas... Like fracking. Yeah, like fracking, you might theoretically dislodge bacterium or viruses 
which have been frozen and that are dangerous to humans or to our livestock or our crop. Jeez, this is really making me think I need to change my share portfolio. Yes, I Sorry. do too. Yes, I, I'm going to totally divest myself. Hang on. <laughs> which shares are those? I don't know. I don't have I've got some shares somewhere in the world. Uh, well, yeah, I've got <laughs> superannuation must be. I've invested. spread my shares around the place previously. <laughs> oh. We are talking about that. That is how you get diseases, <laughs> right? That's right. But anyway, so, but that was interesting. I, I thought that the, the thought, and there's been a couple of, there's a, there's a show on Netflix called V Wars. Not a great name. Not a bad show, but it's not yeah. a great name for a show. That's about a, an ancient virus they, they, they pick up and which turns people into vampires, essentially. Right. But no, I was sort of having a look at, there are zombies, and in nature there are zombies, not people, but zombie spiders. Ooh. So the zombie ants, you know about the zombie ants, they have like, a, there's a particular um, uh, fungus that messes with them and makes right. them wander off and do it. But the zombie spiders are really cool because there's this little uh, colony spiders. Mm-hmm. So they live together in, we're in the Amazon. Gotcha. Uh, which part of the Amazon? Ecuadorian I, Amazon. Uh, so up course. the top. Up They're the top exotic there. zombie spiders. <laughs> yeah, and this was only relatively recently discovered. I was trying to find a word for it. But anyway, what they do is, so there's, um, they, spiders, they get infected by a wasp. So a wasp comes and lays an egg on the spider. Mm-hmm. The egg hatches and eats its way into the spider, as is quite common in yeah, this situation. Yeah, I think situation. I've heard of that sort of but, yeah, well, certainly they do it here, the, the, the tarantula wasp, the That's huntsman. Right. Yeah, That's But this one here takes control of the spider. So the spider's a, a, um, col- a colony living spider. Oh, it lives yeah. in a colony. It takes control of the spider, makes it wander out all by itself, and then it spins a cocoon for the larvae. And the wasp finishes eating the spider, basically grows into a wasp in this cocoon, and then breaks out of the cocoon, and flies repeat, off. Repeat and, the process. Yeah, and so they reckon this is one of the most complex, um, you know, uh, examples yeah, of yeah. an animal being controlled by another animal. Uh, a parasitic organism or something. Yeah, because it's, it's not crazy. just like like the ants that get done by this fungus basically just sort of wander off and turn to a fungus spore. Yeah. But these spiders, they don't just wander off and die. They wander off and then spin a cocoon for the wasp yeah, to so grow in. Yeah, so they're still living for a while there and yeah, doing their yeah. spidery thing kind of thing. Yeah, they're still they're, they're still researching to figure out how they control these spiders. Yeah, right. Wow. But it's, I mean, it's fascinating thing with these this sort of zombies and the rabies virus is probably one of the closest ones of humans. The humans get bitten by an infected animal. Yep. And then if they bite another person, which they don't tend to do, but they can do because one of the things the, vi- the rabies virus does is it infects your neurons mm, and gets yeah. into your brain and makes you go a bit crazy. Can do. It can yeah. also just make you pass out. But it, it'll it make a person uh, have fits, uh, be, uh, what they call it, disassociated so they don't know what they're doing necessarily, yeah, yeah. which means they can get angry yeah, and attack yeah. people. But they also become... Um, afraid of drinking water because 
the neurons that get affected, they affect the breathing and pre-swallow reflex. So when you go to swallow water or liquids, say if you're going to have a sip of beer, what you'll find is you'll take a little breath in and hold your breath as you swallow because you can't breathe and drink at the same time. Yeah. You choke. But when you've been affected by rabies, you have trouble, you can't coordinate that process, which means that you, it hurts and it's going to choke you and you, you can't, you don't want to drink water. You become afraid of drinking water. So you're not like afraid of water just in general, but you can't uh, coordinate that. And so consciously, you know, you can't drink water. Mm-hmm. Uh, animals are less conscious. And so, yeah, they actually just become afraid of water. They avoid water. And which With- is... Fighting the virus is probably the worst thing, isn't it? The water would help. Yeah, well, yeah. Like, help you. I mean, in, in any case, you die after about yeah. a week of being in the ra- with the rabies, unless you get treatment. We do have treatments for it, thankfully. Yeah. But, and we don't have rabies here in Australia, I think. But yeah, so it's I interesting. I will try it, bite you. And, <laughs> and uh, one thing that is good that has come out of this whole uh, current pandemic is a view on the process of things like contagions and pandemics and uh, a zombie outbreak, which is that we have this coronavirus, which is essentially airborne. Yep. Uh, it gets in through your, your nose and your, your eyeballs and so forth. People can be shedding the virus for up to two weeks before showing symptoms. Uh, so they don't even know that they're like, they're still shedding the virus and they're showing symptoms. But the thing is, when you're showing symptoms, you know mm. that you're sick, so you, you can avoid people. Yeah. And people will tend to avoid sick people as well. If you yeah. see someone coughing and sluttering, it, even at the best of times, you tend to avoid them. You try to, yeah. Uh, but if you're you know, spreading it around for two weeks before anything happens, and then even then, some of your symptoms probably take a little while to develop into anything serious, then yeah, it spreads like wildfire. Mm. particularly because this is a brand new virus that we've never been exposed to. We have zero immunity, which means that, yeah, it spreads so quickly. And it's, it's had, it's got a death toll. And as a result, we've taken it very seriously. And certainly here in Australia, we're down to about 400 odd cases. Mm. We peaked at 7,000 or something. Only a hundred deaths. Yeah, yeah. Which is pretty incredible. Sad for the people that, that did perish, yeah. but Incredible put, for the numbers. To put that into the scale, yeah, yeah. It's, it shows a, an excellent response that we had. It does. And that was just a, uh, like a, a moderate thing. If you had this same sort of thing that spread to two weeks for symptoms and you're spreading, but it was more like a 30%, 40% death rate. Well, that was like MERS and SARS, bird flu. I think MERS was 30% and it, it doesn't exist anymore in humans. Basically, we... Jumped on that. It got jumped on really quickly because thirty percent death rate is horrendous. It is, yeah. Like you got to think that if your family of five people got it, two of them it's aren't making two. it. Yeah, it's you two, know, it's yeah. like, yeah. Uh, I, I don't even want to think about it. And if you're talking about something like um, smallpox, with seventy-five to ninety percent fatality rate, and we have eradicated smallpox, doesn't exist anymore outside of laboratory situations, and People and you know looking at you know a zombie virus or something again like a biological warfare. I think I think we kind of demonstrated that it's very unlikely to ever be able to happen because 
even with the coronavirus, which is relatively um, relatively mild in its uh, finality, but very quick to spread, it it stopped. You know, yeah. we like, some countries have stopped it. Uh, you know, I don't want to Not look. Name at, in any I don't want to look around at anyone as <laughs> is. Uh, but you know, it's not really very nice to talk about because it's it's a it's a rough virus because it it's, is so yeah. big. But if you're talking about something like where first of all you've got to get bitten, yeah, like that's in every zombie movie they always have to contrive some way or reason for someone to get bitten. Yeah. There's always some sort of situation where they monkey bites the scientists. They're they're, they're caught up in some way and they can't escape and they yeah. get bitten. You know, like. But the reality is the in order for a virus to spread or a pandemic to spread, you've got to have an infection rate greater than one, which is that one person gets infected, they have to infect more than one other person. They do. And if you've got to bite someone to infect them, how many people can you really bite? Mm. Because you'll be stopped pretty quickly. Yeah. Usually you won't be able to bite anyone. Most most infected people would not get a chance to bite because you don't just put your hands in people's mouths. No. You know, it doesn't happen that way. Uh just because you don't want to get bitten, even if no, they don't no. have the zombie virus, you still avoid getting bitten, you know. And, and that's why, like, you, you, the, the zombie films have had this kind of, or zombie stories have had this kind of idea, like, I bite you and then, like, rapidly you change. Yeah, that 28 days then, later type of thing. Because then if you change, let's say it only takes, like, two or three minutes for you to change, you're in a horde of people, you're in a group of people, sorry, I didn't say horde, horde of zombies, but you're in, you're in mass transit like on a train or something if you can change within two or three minutes i've been in you but then i bite the person next to me yeah sure the next guy stabs me in the head but now i've just infected two people that within mm. two minutes they can be infecting two people each it's just yeah the, the 28 days later was they do was that, that one yeah. where it's just a group and uh world war z z as yeah. well did that as well where it's like you know like it's just like it's multiplying effect of yeah. like the virus you know yeah. yeah that's and that's what that's what you need to do isn't it but, yeah uh, <laughs> the spread of disease, zombies. Yeah, some need some to bite people. To bite people, it doesn't happen very often. Has your science come to an end? Sorry. Yeah, that that there was one other thing I was going to say, but I just totally got derailed. Lost it. It's locked it away. You'll yeah. remember it at three a.m. in the morning. I know. Yeah, not a problem. <laughs> not a problem. But yeah, it's it's very interesting. This this disease spreading and uh, it's effectiveness how well responded and i think the world in general has responded fairly well yeah, yeah. to the current virus yeah, yeah. and i think that if we had a more, if it was a more serious one then we would have responded even yeah. it would have been obvious like if wuhan was reporting you know really high casualties like yeah, 80,000 yeah. people have been infected about 30 40,000 have died so far yeah. and the rest of them are in serious condition yeah yeah you would you would have gotten like the, the chinese government would have been even it would have just sort of like well, walled everything off. And even with it. the numbers that came out of Wuhan, I mean, Australia, for example, in Australia, they stopped immigration from China. I mean, which was really severe. Like, it's a massive thing for mm. us. It's a big tourism thing. It's big in our education sector, big in... We've got know, a lot of expats here. Expats, all that sort of stuff, family members. You know, we're connected to China. Um, that was probably the smartest thing that they did at the time because they just, by blocking that, amount of people that could come possibly infected uh it just slowed that number really rapidly but then within a couple of weeks when everything then escalated not only uh globally but then into australian 
you know, then blocking, you know, closing the borders. I think it's the same here in WA. The fact that we've closed the border to the eastern states has been the best decision. I mean, just to, you, you say to you and me, you have to isolate at home, but you've got to look at it also like as a country, don't you? Mm, I mean, <laughs> you know, every every state, boundary like, you put every in. Every boundary you put in means that within that boundary, if people are sick, it's you're containing the virus, mm. aren't you? You know, and so even if you said right here in Mandra, hundreds of people are sick, well, but it, if you didn't let them get out and you don't let anyone get in, uh, if it's a zombie apocalypse and you've, you've blocked everyone in Mandra into it, it's like, well, they they die, but the rest of us live. There are parts you of Mandra where you wouldn't notice a difference. It'd be no, shorn of the dead variety. You <laughs> it really would. I've 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 walked through some parts of Mandra and sometimes of the day and night, and you'd it would be like shorn of the dead. You yeah. sort of go. I don't think you'd see a difference. Were they alive <laughs> or are they just mowing their lawn like that all the time? Yeah, do they just like have stand out in the front of their house like that all the time and stare me down? Yeah, I think they do. <laughs> Standing at the bus stop waiting for their buses. Yeah, and the bus just goes by. Yeah. And they don't hop on. I saw that. Oh, I won't go. <laughs> yeah. um, I, look, I think we've covered most of the technicalities and stuff. I do want to say... And uh, sometimes Aussie films do this really well, and it's a seller for the global audience. That's a beautiful drone shots in this film oh, of the, the scenery. It's like, so empty but so beautiful with oh, the, the colours. Yeah. The reds and that sort of greyish blues. And drones, see, it's coming from a filmmaking point of view, like drones now are making some of those long, epic, wide shots so accessible for filmmakers and they can get overused and I'm not even like this massive fan of a drone but this this film used it I think really and I don't know I could be wrong but I mean my my gut is saying definitely drone whereas you know you go back only 10 years ago you had to have a helicopter go out it's very expensive you have to retake it over whereas you know a guy wanders out with a little tiny machine and takes these shots and it's like wow you know and um yeah, like I don't think everyone needs to go and get a drone or anything if you want to be a filmmaker, but it's just in that isolated landscape that is so vast and empty anyway. Um, I think it's a brilliant sort of tool to have, you know, and, and this film did it really well. And it just makes me want to get back out into the country, really. <laughs> I love it. I love that idea. Um, yeah, I think I talked about it a fair bit. That shot when he kills Kay, um, his wife, I just loved that focus on the baby. Um, and then in the background, he's out of focus and he obviously kills her and he slumps down. I haven't, I, I don't, you don't see that a lot in modern film. And, and it's because, you know, now we can see the blood and guts and the, you know, things being stabbed into people's heads and all this sort of stuff. Even Total Recall, I mean, we talked about it last episode. Oh, yes. Like, you know, there's those headshots, you know, boom, boom, blood, you know, like it's really in your face, violence. This film hides the violence. It's there, but it's like an undertone, isn't it? Yeah, violence, I was watching a, a study of Buster Keaton and the way he would set up jokes. Uh, and I realise now that I should watch some of these Buster Keaton movies because... Some of these scenes I saw that were brilliant. And that sort of framing of, uh, and this was from a joke point of view, but yeah, it's the yeah. same thing for a dramatic it, it, point it of view. It can be, yeah, I get yeah, yeah. Where, where it was a still camera because they didn't have great moving cameras mm. back in the day. You know, they, they tended to have like a, a still camera shot, maybe a tracking dolly type of thing. But yeah, yeah. 
uh, and there was a, you know, so you'd get a, um, so there's a set up a shot as either left to right or forward and back. And very rarely would the two mix unless that's what the joke was. But they would show these jokes where action comes right to the front, leave something in the foreground, which is supposed to be your focus. Yeah. And then in the background, something funny would happen. Yeah. Which yeah. would contrast with whatever what was in the front. Yeah. <laughs> and this is, and now that you're saying this, because I hadn't thought about it in this context, yeah. but now that you're saying it like this, yeah, I realize that it's the same thing, but with drama here. Yeah. The baby is brought to the foreground. This is what yeah. you're supposed to keep oh, in mind yeah. the whole time yeah. while what's happening in the background yeah. is giving you context for what you're looking at. Because there's still drama in that in this example because it's a baby. It's on its own. As you said earlier, like a baby on the bonnet. Like, mm. oh, God, you don't leave a baby on the bonnet. Like, you, you and I are well drilled as good fathers and husbands yes. and all that sort of stuff. We were told off for leaving babies on bonnets. I, sh- I shouldn't have never done that. I drove down the freeway, damn it. Probably explains a lot about. Yeah, didn't notice until you pulled yeah, over and saw him on there. So, that was <laughs> lucky. Know, anyway, I got told off for that. Sorry, don't worry about that. But it's it, you know, like you, the drama was still there because the baby's like looking around. You know, like there could be a zombie. You know, there was a zombie in the road. Mm. You know, like what if something comes up and attacks the baby? He's all the way over there in the background, or another so, car comes, or on. another car, or anything. You know, like it, it, there was. It's a baby. It can't just be left there on its own. Um, and it, again, like. It, but it goes back, like, I mean, we learn this in film, like, it goes back that not everything, it, it's Alfred Hitchcock, like, it doesn't have to be shown, you know, like, it, it's, it can be hidden because the worst, it, it, this is the thing with horror, like, the worst horror anyone can ever come up with is actually in their own mind mm-hmm. versus showing, like, you can lead an audience to horrific moments well like the you don't the father killing his them. family with a yeah. mass grave like yeah we didn't see any of that we heard the no. gunshots and i was waiting for them waiting for them waiting yeah. for them and when they happened yeah it's just you were hoping you wouldn't hear them you're hoping that or you'd only hear one gunshot like father right. just did himself mm. but yeah yeah exactly right that you don't we were told we were showing him digging a big hole mm. we're showing the kids in the white the kids are happy as larry they're obviously distracting them. And it actually even made me thought, I didn't even think about it, but it made me think about it a bit after that they probably did the birthday party. You know, it's like mm. last hurrah, get them all happy. Oh, that's, and that's what makes it so sad. You know, this is the thing, just, you start thinking about it all, don't you? And uh, the kids don't know. And of course you can't tell the kids. And, and, like, you, and you realise that the oh, that first thing where so he showed the gun, yeah. he probably wasn't saying stay away no. or I'll kill you. Yeah. It's... Stay away, we're this too is, far gone. Yeah, this, this is, is not like, a happy scene. Yeah, we can't help you, you know? Yeah. Um, so, so there's like, yeah, you know, like there's so much in that, isn't there, you know? And I, I, li- I like that. So to me, I gotta, I've got to really up that, that discussion of that focus shot because I think that's a really cool kind of way of doing it, you know? Um, but, yeah, I think we're sort of focused a lot on, you know, the symbols of the indigenous culture and we've focused on the narrative and we're focused on that on that kind of way. So that's probably brings us to the end, sorry, of Cargo. <gasps> we've talked a lot about it. And it's a pretty cool song at the end too. It's got a really nice sort of feeling. It's um not uh it's it's got in indigenous lyrics. Yeah. So I have no idea what they're saying. Yeah. Probably just the same as anything else like, you know. <laughs> Yeah, kind of having a bit of a dance and walking around and looking at stuff, you know. <laughs> you just know, like a Miley Cyrus song. Miley Cyrus song, just the same, yeah. God knows what it is. But it was it, 
it just it, it fit really well. It had the yeah, nice with deep, the family all happy um, base. And, and, and you know, again, that you you it's a it's a good moment that. You know, when you think about the whole story, like he went through a bunch of people, didn't he? Like he went through the teacher um, and the teacher was no good, you know, because she's dying. She was very nice. She but, was very nice, but, but unfortunately she she's just dying. Not going to last long. And and maybe as well she represents the archetypal society system of teaching and education system that exists currently and maybe that's not perfect. You know, maybe it's dying a slow death. Maybe it's dying a slow death, and she, she, as a teacher, she's almost a bit like, eh, no, well, they do okay here, but they've they've gone back out there, you know, uh, you know, and then he, and then he comes across, you know, like the traditional way, you know, the white wealthy older man with the younger mistress that wants to collect and hoard all of nature's bounty. As, as we all do, I mean, look. As at, we all do, gas. Like, the older I'm I get, wealthy. You know, the more like, I want to do that. We all want to do that, you know. Uh, plundering the earth mm. in many ways and uh, greed, you know, and that's not really right, even though it's a, it's a good woman, it's a safe, secure, but not maybe the winning formula. Uh, and really he's got to then kind of go back to the tribal way, you know, like the many, the many should raise a baby. Yes. It's something my wife and I have always talked about. It's like I don't think we're necessarily supposed to be raising children just as a mum and dad. Like I kind of feel like it should be a bit more of a tribe. Mm. You know, like my wife and I don't have that. We don't, it's just me and her. So it's like, and there's been many times along the path of having a baby and multiple babies, but it's like when we've been at crux points where you're just like, it's not really supposed to be like that. There's someone else that's supposed to kind of give us a hand right now. And we don't have that and that's just our situation. So you kind of like, you know, maybe it's maybe it's just because it's our shitty situation compared to other people. They might have uncles and aunties and grandparents and friends or whatever, but we don't have that. So it's kind of like, you know, but, and, that, and that's interesting in this movie that that's kind of where the baby ends up, you know, ends up in a tribal, a big group of women and men all around a campfire, kind of like, yeah, this is cool, you know. It's not just... You know, dad on his and own. And let's face it, as a kid, who doesn't like camping? Nah, I know. I hated camping as a kid. I love it now. I never went as a kid except for the school camps. No. Nah. No, I love camping now. My kids love camping. It means That's that what you think. <laughs> run, they run around like maniacs. Did your um, parents think you loved camping when you were a kid? No, they knew you I didn't. Made, they, you make it clear that you... They knew I didn't camping. really like camping. Right. And what about your siblings? Did they like camping? I or did they hate it just know. as much as you? I didn't pay much. Nah, it's all about you, isn't it? Sorry. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you're the star of your own story. I mean, for fuck's sake, there's other people out there, story. No, no. Are you but... the protagonist? Oh, Jesus, that's a boring show. <laughs> the sorry story. Are you the bo- protagonist or are you like the excess, you know, the the, the, the B character, you know? I wouldn't even be a B character oh, in this story. Jeez. In your own story. But, well, my kids love it because we, we find frogs and fish and echidnas. I think they're and... you, sorry. Seals. Anyway, Dad likes camping. What's our next happy. episode? Our next episode is the paradox. <laughs> the paradox, which is pretty cool. It's a Middle Eastern film. I'm not entirely sure which part of the Middle East it's from. There's, no, there's obviously multiple places it could come from, but well, we'll find out. Of course. We have someone else that's trying to join in for the last couple of minutes of the episode. Old, old man Hugo. Yeah, old man Hugo. Uh, there he is. 
Um, we hear you, buddy. We hear you. Um, but so again, we go in cold, but we'll watch it and then we'll do a bit of research about yeah, it. Yeah. So, so we, I sort of wanted to have a, another, like a foreign film because often they, they present things in a different Definitely. way. Much like the Australian cinema tends to present yeah, yeah. these things in a different way. Uh, this one, I, I have no clue what's about. No. I've, I've read the little blurb that says it's about a guy who can't trust his memories. I like that. And the like movie's the called The Paradox. So you've got to think that, I don't know whether it's going to be time travel or it's going to be like one of these alternate, virtual reality, yeah, alternate or realities. Or just all in his or, brain. Or, or some sort of psychological arrangement. But we'll find out. We will. And look, let us know. Give us a your opinion about what we've talked about with Cargo. Go check it out. Great Aussie film from a couple of years ago, 2017. Uh, available at the moment on Netflix and I presume other sites. Let us know on our socials, on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram, what you thought about what we think about Cargo. And also hit us up with maybe a suggestion of a movie that we should look at. Should we and, keep picking movies. People and if you've tell us. been in a science fiction movie, maybe we could do the movie that you've been written or produced. Sounds like a great idea. If we can get a hold of it. Yeah. So we you can know, do that. I'm still waiting for like Tom Cruise to get back to me. Yeah, I want to talk to him about uh, Oblivion, but he's hard man to get a hold of. Well, see you next time. See ya. 